Hello and welcome to the Progress Year in Review podcast here on PW Ponderings. I'm Sue Williams, joined once again, as I was last year, by Richard Benson, better known as Benno. Hey, Benno, how you doing? I'm very well, man. I can't believe it's been a year. Uh, time hop reminded me a couple days ago that that's, this is the time of year we did, we did this thing last year. Um, yeah, can't believe there's been another year of progress shows. Uh, time hop also reminded me today that it's been exactly three years since the first live progress show I went to. Uh, chat yeah, shit, get man. bang, the uh, Will Ospreay Marty Scale match. Uh, oh, I've been watching dude, I still remember Demand that. For a while. Yeah, yeah. I've been watching On Demand for a while, but then that uh, that Rev Pro match happened, and I was like, yeah, I've got to be in the building for that one. And I made the journey, yeah, exactly three years ago today. Man, there. What what coincidence, huh? <laughs> it's fair to say uh, things have changed quite a bit since then, though. Yeah. Well, we're going to go through uh, all the cards again. Uh, all 450 cards that Progress put on this year. <laughs> but um, first we were going to talk about just some overarching things that happened in Progress this year. So uh, the first thing was uh, Travis Banks. He had he came into the year's world champion. He was champ up until July, where he lost mm. it to Walter, and then he got hurt and has and didn't come back until what what was it October November? Mm. It was after Wembley. Uh, but yeah, what did you think of? Well, the tail. Well, I say the tail end. It was like six months, but the uh, latter half of Travis Banks's progress world title run yeah it's funny it feels a little bit groundhog day because yeah again when we sat here and we did the the 2017 review <laughs> the big kind of elephant in the room the big negative was oh man i got so sick of that pete dunn title reign near the end <laughs> oh man i was so glad wow. when tyler i was so glad when travis banks managed to win and got the belt and it was it was a we're gonna have a new world in progress and then yeah not long after we recorded is when things went a bit south for, for for travis i don't know what it's what it is about progress but title runs on always their uh, their strong suit uh, they do seem to like more like a, a heel champion than a babyface champion that seems to be their default setting uh in a lot of ways uh yeah. but yeah travis kind of became that didn't he uh, early in the year it was such a weird thing because we were all so again the the, the Pete Dunn build in 2017 wasn't great near the end but then when he finally won he had his big moments he's the big baby face everybody was happy he was the champion but as the months went on just it was a combination I think of the booking I think s some of the things that Travis does in his matches you know the the one count kickouts that kind of turned into a meme didn't help but I don't think that was the reason. I think a lot of it was the the booking. He wasn't always put on last. Um, he was put in a weird feud with TK Cooper and, and Chris Brooks, where all three were allegedly babyfaces. But Travis, as good as he is in the ring, and I'd say he's you know much better than, than the other two, as far as a character, he's maybe not quite as strong. So he got drowned out a little bit by the, the bigger personalities. Um, yeah, yeah it, it just kind of... It all went really south, and we were all, again, so hopeful uh, early on. Yeah, I wrote about this uh, when Travis lost the title, where I I went out of my way to say, like, everything that anything that went wrong with Travis's title run, 
I wouldn't exactly put on him. Mm. Like when he was he was good at like doing the fighting baby face stuff. I mean, people weren't like people weren't exactly into it toward the end because he kept fighting imports that everybody liked. Mm. As my little sister wanders in. Hi, Blair. <laughs> she is not a fan of the Tyler Spice title run. <laughs> Go play. I didn't know it was that bad. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so yeah, he kept fighting imports. Mm. He didn't really have that big heel to go against. Mm. Like Osprey had Havoc, and then, uh, well, that that's might be it. But <laughs> uh, Banks never had that. Like he never really had like a that feud. Like he had mm. what happened with TK and Chris, but like that wasn't yeah. really a thing. It was like four chapters. <laughs> I think that that thing I'm guessing they were planning on doing, you know, South Pacific power trip and CCK explodes and obviously uh, Kid Lycos uh, found himself injured which again is unfortunately a recurring story this last which year. Which time was that? Yeah. Which one yeah, was that? That's, that's a thing. Um, oh, but yeah, that, that poor guy. That kind of killed I th- I I would guess what their booking plans were. So yeah, instead they went with that that three-way idea, and I don't think anybody benefited from it. I mean, do you remember T.K. Cooper? He was that other uh, guy from the South Pacific who, uh, who used to wrestle for progress. Like, vaguely. I think <laughs> I remember his face. It just couldn't have gone anywhere, really. Uh, I just think everybody was slotted wrong, especially Travis. And yeah, that was the only, you're right, the only thing Anoti kind of had to seek his teeth into because a lot of the rest of his run was random matches. You mentioned them facing a lot of imports. That Matt Riddle match sticks out in my brain. Where did he, was it a second rope tombstone he kicked out of? And that for me yeah. felt like the moment where everyone kind of in that ballroom turned on him. Just yeah, no. a lot of things unfortunately went wrong. Um, not to say he wasn't very entertaining as a heel though when he when he did start to to lean into that side of his character in isolation. Yeah. That's he was good in performance, but. Again, we're not blaming the wrestler, are we? We're saying the, the overall arcing kind of story and the, the way he was uh, presented was the problem. Yeah, he was good at all. He was good when he was a heel, too. Like, he was good at being, like, you know, kind of squirrely, kind of funny, like, that cowardly champion. Mm. But, like, when the matches came, like, that's not his strong suit. We all know mm. his strong suit's, like, being a fired up baby face. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of like, who'd have thought that NXT UK are the promotion right now who are presenting Travis Banks in possibly the, the best way <laughs> out of all the pro- out of the promotions he's been booked for uh, this last year. Uh, again, he's entertaining as a heel. He makes it work. But yeah, pure babyface Travis Banks really should have worked. And it is a bit of a head scratcher. Why? Unfortunately, it didn't. So WWE UK, we know... We know that progress is involved in it. We know that they've moved dates because of it. Like, how? Like, how do you feel about it? Because, like, I, I'm having a hard time like trying <laughs> to sum it up. Yeah, it's like 
I've got to be honest, like, again, we were, there's plenty of things to be positive about, I think, anyway, at least for, especially the second half of the year with progress, but, yeah, yeah anybody who's listening to this who doesn't want to hear negatives about WWE, there's going to be a few, because it's hard, isn't it, to talk about progress without talking about the WWE influence on the product, and, again, in, in 2017, there was that obvious influence, um, uh, you know, all the rumours were out there. I remember around the time of Ali Pali, it kind of all seemed to be coming to a head. Um, but again, the influence on the product was kind of passing. It wasn't as obvious. Uh, obviously, WWE UK, now NXT UK, hadn't quite got off the, the ground then. Uh, whether it's it's only really just got off the ground now in, in 2019, uh, end of 2018, where they finally started doing um, proper TV. Um, but I do think, yeah, in 2018, we kind of saw what many of us probably feared uh, in 2017. I think it's it's undeniable to say there's been an influence on, pro- on progress. I think what we've seen in 2018 is that progress isn't and whether it's right or wrong um the, the, the sole focus of the the three owners anymore fair enough they've got themselves good jobs with wwe if i was in their position i might well do the same thing being honest but as a progress fan you can't talk about progress without saying that that does to me seem to have had a an influence on, on the product both in Maybe they've had their eyes off the booking over these last two years. Uh, again, the things like that Travis Banks title run. Um, also, yeah, the fact that something we're probably going to talk about throughout the years, yeah, some of the, the lesser um, WWE UK slash NXT UK talents bleeding into progress shows was a, was a negative over the year as well. Um, and then towards the end of the year, you know, wrestlers outright leaving progress uh to go to to nxt i expect tyler and peter going to to nxt proper but uh, as we record start of 2019 it's up in the air exactly what the circumstances are going to be of the the rest of the contracted nxt uk talent who, who also work progress the the first chapter they did in 2019 did not have too many nxt uk contracted guys so yeah, it's going to be interesting going forward if 2018 was maybe the last year we saw that big crossover between the two rosters and maybe we, we, we start to see uh, progress become a, a little bit more isolated from NXT UK. Um, again, whether that's going to be for the better or, or for the worse is going to be uh, very much up in the air. Yeah, we recently had a stable full of non-contracted guys mm. who weren't really on progress shows very often. Mm. Sort of just pop up all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, but hey, don't believe the rumors. <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? Because like, hang yeah, your stop... head in shame, Benno. <laughs> the that, that's oh. the killer for me right there. Yeah, that was a uh, trend seven trying to put the rumors to bed about all this this contract stuff. Yeah, again, the the cons- the people with the uh, the tinfoil hats like us, Sooth, this time last year we were talking about it, and I do think this year it's maybe hit home for even the hardest core of progress fans to admit that okay it is real okay yeah the owners are they were a little bit they, they weren't completely forthright with exactly what the relationship was between progress and WWE, exactly what their roles were in WWE. they seem a lot more comfortable now saying what their roles are because we're now seeing shows being 
outright move towards the end of last year and at the start of this year because of non-progress commitments. Uh, yeah, the again, the warning signs were all there, um, and it really has seemed to have, have come to reality um, towards the end of 2018 and 2019. I'm not a, a full-on doomsday kind of uh, person. I'm not expecting progress to die anytime soon, but again, the, the days of progress maybe being the, the priority for the, the people behind the company are do feel uh, well and truly over. I mean, just look at it like this. This time last year, I had bought my tickets for WrestleMania weekend. I was all hyped up for that. This year, they aren't running a WrestleMania weekend show anymore. Mm-hmm. And well, you could say they are, but under well, the name NXT UK. They're, <laughs> yeah, they're going to be running at Access in front of a bunch of people walking past to get a a Bobby Lashley autograph <laughs> yeah. well not anymore he had one of his sessions cancelled because no one <laughs> bought tickets <laughs> it's funny though because people like me can kind of say ah well you know is it worth the expense of flying the roster out anyway are the are the wrestlemania weekend shows that good anyway but yeah for the for the likes of yourself suit it's the uh it's the one of maybe two times a year where you, you actually get to see progress so yeah bit of a shame that they're, they're not going to be there for you to go and see yeah We'll talk about those shows later, though. <laughs> All right, and then the last, um, the last kind of overarching thing that uh, that we're going to talk about before we get into uh, the full year of progress is the rise of Walter. Well, mm. I say rise; he main evented most of these shows, but yeah, Walter's pretty good, right? <laughs> yep, I would say as far as booking goes this year, I don't. Other than maybe the way the Atlas Division was, was kind of dropped on on his way out when he just gave the belt up. I don't yeah. think he put too many f- feet wrong with Walter. I think they got him right this year. Uh, he's the, I mean, for lots of people, myself included, the, the outright wrestler of the year for 2018. And I'd say almost 100% the, the European wrestler of the year for 2018. Um, I'm just about to submit my, my top 10 matches of the year for Voices of Wrestling and his name does come up a couple of times. Um, they've done the right thing by getting behind Walter. It was kind of, there was a point in the year, wasn't there, where every promotion felt like they were putting the belts on Walter and, and putting all, betting everything there on him. Um, and again, I think that's a that's a historic thing of progress. You know, they were maybe, uh, British Strong Style were kind of created in Fight Club Pro, but they did make Pete Dunne into a proper headliner. Travis Banks, again, made in Fight Club Pro, whether they got him over anymore when they put the belts on him is to be seen walter obviously made in wxw and was already doing things on a main event level elsewhere but i think they, they kind of took the temperature of the room right realized how over he was as as atlas champion and again when we get to the, those chapters i've got some misgivings about the way he left the atlas division but overall yeah. i think it was the, it was the right decision and he's the he's the perfect final boss in wrestling isn't he walter so it makes sense for him to be a champion, and yeah, I think it was a, a really, a really smart move and one of the the brighter uh, spots of progress this last year. Absolutely, I, I looked at my match of the year list. He's on it three times for three different companies. Mm. Like, progress in there? Uh, yes, progress mm. is in, but progress is in there. We've had this discussion <laughs> last year. Yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> yeah, so Walter's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> I think that's fair to say. All right, so you ready, Benno? 
Let's do it. This mountain won't climb itself. We got a lot of cards to talk about. <laughs> so let's get started with the first one. It was January 14th. It was in Birmingham. Uh, it was uh, Don't Touch Me. Don't, don't touch me. As usual, most of the references went over my head. <laughs> it's a song by the streets, or it's a lyric from a song by the street, the streets, who are a Birmingham kind of rap act, uh, which is where this show was. I was, at, I was live at this one as well. All right. Well, hey, you could give us some live commentary if you remember it. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this one had uh, Grizzled Young Vets versus Mustache Mountain to start it uh we also had wow pete dunn versus joe connors for the uk title (laughs) that's a name that stands out boy oh boy yeah uh they also brought in adam brooks for this one he had a match with will osprey his one and only in progress well brooks is osprey would be back uh, and then we had the main event of Travis Brin- of Travis Banks defending against Chris Brooks. Mm. Yeah, it's funny this show because I look back on it and this this show happened just before we recorded our show this time last year. And the matches I remember, I don't remember a huge amount about Travis Banks and Chris Brooks. What I do remember a lot of is how good Will Ospreay and Adam Brooks was live. Um, Brooks kind of came in. A little bit kind of as an unknown, but he had a bit of a rep, didn't he, from the the matches he'd, he'd done with Osprey in Australia. Yeah. Uh, he came in, and I think a big thing for him on that show is maybe people weren't expecting him to be as character heavy as he is. He does a lot of a lot of heel shtick, um, which doesn't work for everyone. And I've got to be honest, sometimes it was a distraction for for some of his matches because he didn't really have the the banner year while he will not a full year but you know the six months or so he was over here it's not like he he really um created a huge amount of buzz for himself but i thought this match was a a really good it felt like it was going to be a really good start to a run yeah they were the two wrestlers who obviously know each other well and i just yeah, I remember being there live and like i often do with uh with will osprey matches uh marveling a lot at some of the uh the huge spots yeah, I rem- I forget what Brooks calls it, but the inside-out Canadian destroyer on the apron. Mm. Yeah, mm. that was wild. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah, uh, he's kind of yeah vaulting out to the outside of the ring, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. I like that about the match, though, that they kind of blended those big spots. Um, you know, Osprey hitting his all his ridiculous stuff, and Brooks hitting some crazy offense like that, but also telling a a solid face heel story again i thought they were they, they'd set the groundwork there for for a longer feud in progress which didn't happen they tried to do a similar feud in rev pro that didn't really get take off the ground and yeah if i'm honest this was probably the the, uh, the highlight of uh of poor brooksy's year i think when he was in the uk yeah because he i think i saw him in rev pro where um he just had a match that would not end. Mm. Yeah, uh, he, he kind of became known for, for matches like that, unfortunately. Um, another name that kind of sticks out there, you went through the card then, uh, Joseph Connors. Just the... <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of Joe Connors, Blair? She went, he 
laying down and pulled the cover over her head. So <laughs> that's about right. But yeah, like, yo, Connors, what are we doing? What do people yeah. see in him? It was kind of like, again, I think they felt, I don't know, pressured is probably the wrong way, but through the WWE connection, for some reason, thought it was a, a good idea. Um, and no, it just it just wasn't. I mean, they tried. I remember on this show, they did try and kind of push him as a as a troll character. Um, and he was did a lot of kind of yeah trolling the fans as someone they didn't want to see. I would have liked it if he'd gone full board with some kind of you know started trolling the fans on the progress fans board and <laughs> gone the gone the full length with the character. Um, I think there was there was something there with it, and I think. There were a lot of bells and whistles in this match as well. I do remember there being a lot of, you know, uh, him getting pulling chairs into the ring and, you know, Pete Dunne doing uh, quite the quite the job with him there. Um, yeah, it, I remember it being solid, but I can't say I was sad that uh, we didn't see a lot more of uh, Joseph Connors through the year. Atlas title challenger Joseph Connors. God. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there later. All right, well, that brings us to the next show, which was the first ballroom show of the year, which was Fear No More Come to Dust. This was January 28th. Walter and Thatcher. Mm. As it stands, this one is, I believe, in my top five for match of the year. Mm. Oh, no, it's sixth. (laughs) Because another Walter match bumped it out. Wow. It's floating around mine. I haven't quite settled on it yet, but it's definitely a consideration. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, we'll go through some other contenders, but pretty much set the the standard for for progress match of the year at the start of the year. I remember watching this one, and it was kind of like the the perfect kind of example of what Walter and Tim Thatcher do, like that hyper realism style. Yeah, Thatcher working over Walter's hand, and Walter trying to to, to fight through it but having to use his other hands uh, his chops being nullified in some ways and it just being one of the the, the stiffer matches i saw all year i remember watching it and being really really excited about it and uh, we did our british wrestling spotlight podcast and unfortunately joe uh, who would do that podcast with the uh, rev joe had, uh, had watched that match uh in i think he was he said he was a bit tired and he didn't love it and i was so excited to rave about that match and then i think he rewatched it and loved it as much as me but the moment was gone so yeah uh, forgive yeah. me I, i'll rave about it here instead because it was just the for me probably the progress match of the year and again i a shame they didn't go back to rematches. That's something you could have done with the with the Walter title run. Um, right. Maybe it would be hard to live up to to the original progress match. Um, but still, yeah, I think there's maybe money left on the table there because, again, it was a, a real, real highlight of the year. Um, just a, a great story and a great way to, to start, um, start progress's year in January. Yeah, spoiler alert, this is my progress match of the year as well. It <laughs> just incredible. Like I like I'm a little bit self conscious with Tim Thatcher matches because I always bring up how, you know, his style's not not really my bag. Mm. But like it worked here. Like this was just two dudes beating each other up until one of them stopped fighting. Mm. and it was just fantastic, and Walter got the win, Mm. and he would continue on as Atlas champion. 
Uh, I feel like this was going to be like a big like story point show for progress because they had booked Tony Storm versus Jenny for the progress women's title on here. But then Jenny got hurt. And then they were going to do Tony Storm, Millie McKenzie. But Millie got hurt. And so they just grabbed Shakara and uh, had her go out. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, for a third choice, you know, you can do a lot worse than Shakara. She did fine. Yeah, she's not really been around much, has she, in, um, in progress since? Um, yeah, I mean, that was... It was kind of a match where I don't remember a huge amount about it. I do remember kind of, yeah, the, the circumstances around it. Again, it not being Ginny, it not being Millie McKenzie. Um, yeah, I, I, to me, it was one of those matches that kind of summed up a lot of what Tony Storm's run in progress is. Solid, solid win. Not a huge amount to write home about. Not a huge amount of, unfortunately. I think the problem there when you put someone like Chikara in there... There's not a huge amount of other uh, people near Tony Storm's level to even yeah. challenge her for the title. There's no real belief that someone like a Shikara or or other you know various challenges through the year had really a chance with her. I know they tried to line up Nina Samuels after this, and we kind of went into you know that 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 period where progress felt like they felt. They had to have, you know, three woman stables like Paige and, and WWE and we got the stable walls uh, and yeah. this was kind of the nucleus for that as well. Uh not a strong year overall for the Progress Women's Division and yeah, you know, as much as I like Tony Storm, yeah, there's a lot of really just solid but uneventful matches through the year and this was the first of many for me. Yeah, I remember being like really hyped for Tony Storm Jenny coming in and I was like you know, they could main event the show with this, but yeah, uh, that didn't happen, and it wouldn't happen until later, and it would main event, but it wasn't great. Mm. Yeah. And then, uh, oh yeah, there was a Progress World title match on here. Travis <laughs> Banks beat TK Cooper. Yeah. Speaking Chris of what Brooks we got involved. <laughs> it was very much yeah. story-based, this one, wasn't it? It was very... Yeah. I was, at this point in the year, I was still hopeful on this story. Uh, TK was a babyface. They were doing a lot of, a lot of this match was kind of built around, wasn't it? You know, Brooks on the outside, but also TK uh, wanting to cheat, teasing that he was going to cheat, not always quite going for it, being a bit of a troll to Chris Brooks, being the real best friends of Travis Banks and, and not Brooks. Uh, the nucleus of a of a good idea, I think, was there at this point in the year. I think if they'd have gone stronger with a, a TK turn or a Chris Brooks turn, but mainly a, a TK turn, I think the the story of Travis Banks' title run this year might have been a little bit different. But yeah, promising. But again, uh, it was a story that didn't go a, a huge amount of places for me. Yeah, and that might have been due to uh, Lycos getting hurt and not being able to do the. Mm. CCK power trip match mm. that may have been due to uh, <clears throat> external circumstances mm. but uh yeah that kind of, that was that kind of sucked and then we got uh the start of the first of several tournaments this year we had the natural progression series start with uh Chris Ridgeway beating Omari in this one so mm. Yeah, 
that was that show. As I fumble around to get to the next show. There we go. February 11th, Take Me Underground. We had another first round match in the uh, MPS. Drew Parker beat uh, Spike Trevay. In the second match, you can guess which one it is. (laughs) Uh, We had uh, Charlie Morgan and Tony Storm team up to beat uh, Shakara and Nina Samuels. Mm. After this, Charlie Morgan turned on Tony Storm, and we got the beginning of the House of Couture. Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, that was kind of what the the women's division kind of became known for through this year. And, yeah, it definitely uh, wasn't a highlight of the year. Yeah. They did look good throughout the year, though. Dressed well. (laughs) Uh, We had uh, Zack Sabre Jr. beat Tyler Bate on this show. Mm. Yeah, I believe he beat him with the hyper-normalization submission, which is just... Him trying to rip his arms off. Mm. Yeah, that's oh. kind of the, the, the Zach Zaber's kind of your dead submission, isn't it? Um, yeah. yeah. This was another one I was live at, and this was just again one of the, a really strong match. I think this was a, a point in progress where I wasn't hugely high on the the storytelling that was going on, but the in ring uh, was you know wrestlers were delivering, and this was yeah the two of two of the I mean Zach Zaber's obviously. The, Probably the best technical wrestler in the world. Tyler Bates, uh, no slouch in, in that regard either. Um, yeah, I remember a really big spot where I think Tyler went for the Tyler driver and Zach grabbed an armbar and we were like on the edge of our, our seats jumping up and down. Uh, absolutely loving it, buying it as a finish. Plenty, there were a couple of points in this match I remember there being big standing ovations in the building in Manchester. Um, yeah, a, a really, really strong match at a, at a point where again, yeah, the, maybe the storytelling wasn't great in progress, but the matches were definitely delivering. Yeah, and this, like, I'm looking through my uh, ratings on the on the old Grapple app. You can go ahead and download that. Give them a free <laughs> plug. Uh, yeah, the middle of this show was really strong because we had Saber and Bait. Mm. Then we had Pete Dunne and Trent Seven beat uh, David Starr and Matt Riddle. Mm. And then after that, we had Walter and Mark Davis. Yeah, and that was a... That was a real highlight for for the year, me that for me that that Walter Mark Davis match again. I've never, obviously, I wasn't there for Walter and Tim Thatcher, but I've not seen Harder Chops live in person. And bear in mind, I'm someone who saw uh, Kenta Kaboshi versus Samoa Joe, so that's how hard Walter was hitting for Mark <laughs> Davis. Uh, it's close anyway. Uh, yeah, we all saw the the photos of Mark Davis after with his his chest full on purple it was like a mercy killing when he, he finally got put down by walter in this one just a a fantastic live match and a match that yeah i think translated to vod as well and a match that hopefully they're going to go back to at some point uh with mark davis because yeah there's a there's a great rematch in there somewhere with walter yeah i felt like this could have been like this could have been like how you get the t- how, the atlas title off of walter because mm. like you could have like built up to Mark Davis like getting a chance to beat him, mm. and yeah. hey, they still have a chance to do that, but with a different title. But mm. I'm for it all the same. I'll tell you what they did do on this uh, on this show regards titles. This was one of the that weird point in the year where they just decided randomly on this random Manchester show to put the tag belts on on Jimmy Havoc and Mark Haskins. 
uh, beating the grizzled young vets. Um, yeah, I believe Flash Morgan Webster got involved. Yeah, that kind wow, of. Oh, that was it. That was last year, huh? Man. <laughs> yeah, only to uh, spoilers for a, a chapter coming up. Lose them right back uh, again. When I, People might think I'm being harsh when I say the booking in progress wasn't great during this period, despite the great matches, but there's another example for you. I mean, if you think it was, tell me what... Why did this start and why did this end? No why did... Why did Haskins and Havoc team up? Why did Flash get involved? Why <laughs> did they explained. break up? Never explained. Where did it. Havoc go? <laughs> Honestly, answers on a postcard. Like, and the, the funny thing know. is as well, they kind of... The, the tease was that Flash Morgan Webster wasn't comfortable being a heel and was going to turn babyface, which isn't the worst story to tell. But we didn't even get that, that nice payoff. He just kind of disappeared into another team and it was just... Yeah, they never explained, and I don't think we're we're ever gonna get explained on that weird uh, that weird trio. Yeah, that was what a waste of Mark Haskins. <laughs> Cause he's good, right? He is, but I kind of feel the pain. I think if I was booking progress, I think I'd struggle to do something fresh with Mark Haskins. So I can I can yeah. understand the, the the will to put him in a team. It just it would have been better if it was a team that made a bit more sense. Uh, he's someone who, yeah, to be honest, I think. Him working Ring of Honor now and presumably stepping away from progress for the foreseeable, I think that's going to be for the best. Yeah. Uh, and then we had the massive blow-off to the uh, Travis Banks-Chris Brooks-TK Cooper feud as Travis beat them in a three-way match. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. tried again they they gave this i remember them giving this the epic video treatments treating it like it was like this big this big feud um uh, memorable from being there live i remember tk cooper going for that big spanish fly off the off the top uh almost died again uh on the outside oh yeah that was the one where he almost broke his neck yeah that's it yeah he kept teasing that through this match um but yeah it was kind of the match for me where uh Travis really did start getting... It got worse as the year went on, but he was getting booed. And it, again, it was because of the... I, for me, the, the combination of personalities in there. I never really bought TK Cooper as a main eventer, but I do think they could have done more with him in this feud. Um, but yeah, Travis kind of became the odd man out because everyone wants to cheer Chris Brooks. Everyone wants to cheer TK Cooper because everyone had goodwill for him still, you know, being freshly back in progress and... And being a, a charismatic uh, character and face, and, and Travis was kind of the, the third man in this one. Um, lots of storyline development in the match, but not a lot of, uh, yeah, a, a lot of good for, for Travis Banks, unfortunately. Yeah, and it didn't help that, like, both of them were cheating to win, and mm. Banks, like, Banks won and then just shook their hands and left. He like, like such a schmuck, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for trying to cheat me out of my t- belt. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Be at the pub. Like, <laughs> at least Brooks and Cooper, because I remember they were, I think Brooks went to offer a handshake to Cooper, and Cooper at least slapped him and walked off. Uh, at least, yeah, he, he kind of, he walked out with his balls, but but Travis just, yeah, just kind of really felt like a nullified babyface in that one. Yeah, so that was that one. Uh, we probably should have done this for the other two, but... Like, what would your, 
what would you say is a match to check out from this one so we can like try and recommend some stuff um i would say i think walter um and mark davis is the one uh zach saber and tyler bates a good runner up as well but yeah walter mark davis is a, a very memorable match so yeah if you were only gonna want to watch one from this show I'd, I'd say check that out and it might be happening again soon yeah, it's a little bit easier for me because I got the I got the grapple app open and I rated every show that I watched. So, <laughs> yeah, shout out yeah. to Gareth. Yep. All right, and then comes the next show. Uh, they're back at the ballroom with Thunder Bastards are go. Uh, yeah, you mentioned it earlier. The Grizzled Young Vets won their titles back. Not much to say there. <laughs> yeah, just. Yeah, weird flip-flop booking. Uh, maybe it was something. On, you never know. You know, behind the scenes, maybe there was an issue of getting dates on on the Grizzled Young Vets or something, or they were they flip-flop for for other storyline reasons. But it really did feel like yeah, a couple of tag changes for the sake of it, and really two matches that weren't uh, particularly memorable either. Yeah, uh, we all we continued with the NPS as Mark Davis beat Maverick Mayhew. Mm. That was good. Yeah, Davis treating, it was. Davis treating Mayhew like Walter treated him. I like that. He got a bit of his heat back there, I felt. Yeah. We had the debut with Jonah Rock. He, I don't think he did much else. I don't, mm. I don't think he did another show for progress. But, yeah, he, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. beat him mm. in a match that was good. Yep. Yep. We had the Thunder Bastard match. The first of several, <laughs> uh, where uh, Flash Morgan Webster won, and mm. he would get his title shot at the next show. Mm. Yeah, this was. I'm not the high man on the Thunder Bastards. I don't think it's neither this great, am I. It's not this great concept that I think sometimes it gets built up as. Um, but you know there have been good there have been good ones in the past. Uh, for me, I think that the highlight in this one was and we haven't talked about it yet was Eddie Dennis, uh, him yeah. being in there. It was during his long layoff for injury, so it was always going to be interesting how exactly they were gonna gonna play it. But I thought he was he was fantastic in his in his minimal spot um, in there, you know, clearing of the ring. I remember Mark Andrews coming out and he, uh, Eddie Dennis just looking so happy uh, in the middle of the ring um, that he was going to finally get his moment there with Mark Andrews. Uh, he was very much uh, the highlight uh, for me for this one. Um, again, without without looking, Sue, could you have told me who won this one? Because uh, I couldn't. I, I could remember distinctly the Andrews and, and Eddie Dennis bit, but I genuinely forgot that, that this was a match that a thunder bastard that was won by Flash Morgan Webster. I'm not sure I could, but hey, that's why we got cage match, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, Eddie Dennis was a highlight here. He, uh, I remember him coming out, and then the next guy came uh, was coming out, and he was ready for it to be Mark, mm. and it was Flash, and he was just like, "Oh, come on!" <laughs> he was, and brilliant. then he, and then he beat up Flash, and then Mark came out. But then TK Cooper rolled him up, and then they didn't even fight. <laughs> yeah, per- like he was just perfect as the that 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 heel, uh, that cocky heel, the he, troll. He kind of, yeah, the troll. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. But, but he didn't get what he wanted, and it just 
a lot of people went high on how long that feud went. Um, oh, you were think. talking about Eddie. I was talking about TK. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. TK is a great troll too. Yeah, like because uh, I was t- calling TK a troll because he got Pete Dunn disqualified. Mm. Uh, I think he kicked a bunch of guys in the balls, and mm. then Pete kicked him in the balls, but the ref saw. That's right. And so he got DQ'd, and then he eliminated Trent too, and then Chris Brooks eliminated him. <laughs> so yeah, this is probably the best Thunder Bastard I've seen. Mm. I think it had a lot of again, not a. It's a bit like Royal Rumbles, isn't it? You don't expect a, yeah. a great match. All you can really ask for is you know big moments, big character moments, and yeah, we got plenty of them there from uh, from TK and Eddie Dennis. Yeah, and then this built up the flat the story with Flash like coming close to being to getting the gold and the reaching his potential mm-hmm. and then falling back down again. So yeah, yeah, I was fine with Flash winning if I remember correctly. Mm. I think for me, it was just he's similar to Mark Haskins, a bit stale in progress at this point. Um, and again, he'd be—I think he'd just been such a loser in progress for so long that it did feel like it came a little bit out of nowhere to to give him this this win. Um, I wasn't sure at the time what the end game was going to be, and I, again, the end game itself didn't. We uh, we still aren't sure. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, we we reached ground zero with Travis Banks's title run. He defended against Matt Riddle here. Mm. It was a fan vote to get Riddle into the title match, and. He came close, mm. but Travis got the roll up in the win and mm. was greeted with a chorus of massive boos. Mm. Yep, it was. This was, they say, ground zero. This was it. This was. It, it, it felt like he was trolling a little bit in this one again. That tombstone yeah. kick out I mentioned earlier. I think he knew that it that it was coming. That the the mood in the ballroom and with progress fans in general had kind of turned against them, like we mentioned with that. With that Manchester show, um, but yeah, it whether it was on purpose or not, stuff like that, just how popular uh, Matt Riddle is, um, kind of went against uh, Travis as well. He was kind of the supposed to be a babyface, but he was kind of broken down and crawling by the end of this one. Um, yeah, he, he he got a if I remember rightly, it was a roll up finish, wasn't it? It was like a desperation, it was. which didn't make him look great either. It got him booed. If it was by design, you can kind of say, well, they got the reaction they were going for. I just don't know if they should have been going for that reaction, really. Uh, yeah, I don't you know. know if it was either. Mm. Yeah. Just just not great, yeah. I, I remember it being a, a strong match. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, it was just, again, all of that stuff going on with Travis. This was kind of you know, where, it, where it unfortunately hit its, its trough uh, rather than its peak. Yeah, so... Uh, if I were to recommend anything from the from that show, I'd recommend Banks and Riddle. Mm. Although the last half, I rated it pretty well. Mm. I think it's yeah, worth so... watching historically, just for that. Just for they still delivered a great match, and yet it was kind of that turning point, wasn't it? With with him kind of clinging onto the belt and people being so ready for a Matt Riddle win. Um, so it's worth watching just from a yeah historic point of view for the year for progress. All right, so we got our next show was the last one before WrestleMania weekend. Uh, they were in the ballroom for Have Some Faith in the Sound. Valhalla! Rob Lynch! Oof. He was on the show. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of Valhalla, Strangler... That, that kind no, of no strangler was the, was the other one. Oh, oh no, but that's kind of what what comes to mind, isn't it? Valhalla oh, and the yeah. strangler. It's like you can't talk about one without thinking about the other. And this was the point where progress were trying so hard to to get Rob Lynch over with this weird Valhalla character, and it just I think my question the entire time was just why. I mean, nobody wants yeah. to remember Strangler Davis. All his he did on shows was remind me about Strangler Davis and remind me about the amount of stories that came out about him that uh, the promotion eventually um, acted on. Yeah, he was just... He looked completely out of place on a progress show in 2018, Paul Rob Lynch. Yeah. I just like shouting Valhalla. <laughs> but... Yeah. Poor guy. Uh, then... Uh... We got a really good no DQ match. Uh, Chris Brooks and TK Cooper kind of finished their little thing, mm. and uh, Chris Brooks got the win here. Mm. Yeah, I think they again. I wasn't high on the the feud at this point, but I do remember. Yeah, in isolation, as far as plunder matches go, um, it being strong and yeah, strange. I found it. I did find it strange at the time they put Brooks over. I would have thought they'd have, again gone harder with TK Cooper, but that's the. Uh, Kind of the story of a uh, of TK Kubagia. Yeah. Uh, we then we got an Atlas title match. Walter defended against Rampage Brown. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if they gave him this, his music on their show or not. I th- think not. Is this the show where they dubbed it, where they gave him it, and then they put it on the VOD? I think because he came out as a surprise of being. I think that right. was the end of last year. Mm. I think that was. I think this was a rematch. Right. Oh, nah, I'm not sure though. <laughs> Atlas title open challenges tend to blend a little bit for me. Yeah, that's it. Uh, it was one of those though where, where it was in that period where it, it became really obvious that that Walter was uh, was very much carrying the progress shows. Uh, not a great match, but but very good and. Yeah, it became. It was becoming more and more clear that Walter was the was the real headliner in progress. Uh, no matter how hard uh, battle tested slash Valhalla Rob Lynch was trying. Yeah. <laughs> um. The M. Uh. We got another first round match in the Natural Progression series. I don't know how many more of those we have, but uh. Yeah. Danny Duggan beat Danny Jones. Mm, lots of. I remember this. Yeah, Eddie Dennis got involved. I remember this one being very bad. Mm. Well, not very bad, but I uh, I didn't like the match. And then I didn't like the finish because mm. it made Danny Jones look like an idiot. Mm. And then Danny Jones, I don't think we saw him again. Mm. Yeah, it was the two wrestlers who were solid, but... They kind of threw them out there with no real reason to care about either of them other than for the fans to chant Dan at the both of them. Uh, they had no real chance, I wouldn't say, and they were they really were there just to lead to, to Eddie Dennis to come out and to, to tear for, cheer for Jones and, uh, you know, eventually um, get it, ruin the match. Yeah, he was kind of, yeah, he was just... Again, it was worth it for for Eddie Dennis to to get in there and cut his his big promo and continue the bill with with Andrews. But 
yeah, uh, uh, unfortunately, it didn't do a lot for those two wrestlers. And again, two wrestlers who you didn't see much else of in uh, in progress through the year. Yeah, uh, uh, I went in on these guys on my review. I <laughs> said uh, it looked like. It, it looked like I said something to the effect of it looked like these two Googled strong style and just did that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that can be a temptation with younger wrestlers, unfortunately. Yeah, I rem- I think there was a fire up spot and no one in the crowd cared. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I haven't seen enough to call either guy bad, so mm. I'll just chalk it up to an off night. Yeah. Or they tried something and it didn't work. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then uh, there was a three-way tag title match. Uh, Grizzled Young Vets beat Sexy Star and Havoc and Haskins. Mm. Uh, they were still going with... Uh, they were still trying with Sex Smith here. Mm. Uh, yeah, they were trying to tell the story with him, weren't they? That they kind of went back to... Again, oh, was yeah, because a... he had uh, he had his progress title shot in his pocket. Mm. I forgot about this. Yeah, yeah, and they were trying to trying to build him back up to to that level, but I think yeah, 2017 was the time to do that with Jack. It was all all a little bit uh, too late for me. Yeah, and then we got uh, Travis Banks beating Flash Morgan Webster and solidifying his heel turn. Mm. Um, I think. They teased that Morgan won the title, mm. and then they reversed. Then they restarted the match. Mm. What did you think, Benno? Yeah, it was. I remember it being weird placement because again, we were we were deep into to Travis Banks being uh, becoming a heel, but he's in there trying to be. I don't know. I, I think. In a way, it worked because Flash Morgan Webster is best in the role of underdog babyface, so it allowed them to do that. You mentioned the finish. I think, yeah, that was kind of... I think they went the whole hog with it, didn't they? They, they played uh, music. They kind of had Travis and, and TK Cooper storming off as if the, the match was, was was really over. Uh, but I don't know. I think I think those kind of finishes or those kind of false finishes just don't make people so much hate the wrestler as much as they make people hate the promotion um i think uh, the, the promotion gets more heat than the wrestler does i thought travis was good he came back in got a roll up didn't he um and, and i suppose it's successful if your end goal is solidifying uh travis banks as a heel um and he caught i remember him cutting a really good sarcastic promo after this about thanking the people for their for their support and i think he was deep into the roman reign stuff calling it his yard uh yeah wasn't hugely into that stuff um but yeah that this was obviously what they wanted to do and it, it allowed them to to start the setup with, with walter too yeah because uh banks said no one could beat him basically mm. and then walter came out mm. yeah so that was good and that led into wrestlemania weekend progress ran two shows i was at the most and well hey they were all right yeah, I, I mean, I bet you they were more fun for you live than they were watching back. They they named them chapter shows, but they didn't really feel like chapter shows watching watching them back on VOD. Um, 
it didn't feel like the crowd was mic'd very well as well. I remember at the time thinking that the atmosphere was bad, but you can probably talk more to that. Um, yeah, they felt like a with so much else going on at WrestleMania weekend for me, just watching home on VOD, they felt kind of like uh, again not that important in the grand scheme of things. But I bet they were fun live. They were fun live. I will say the crowd the first day, which was a larger crowd, I think. Mm. Well, they were both big crowds, but the crowd on the first night was very like they weren't pr- really loud. Mm. I, th- I remember the second night being a lot hotter. Mm. So, well, I think that first night as well. It was for me the culmination because they had the, that was what the, the the next thunderbust that they did uh, this year in progress. Yeah, and that was one where oh. that problem with. Nobody having recognizable music and there being a lot of non-regular progress guys in there too kind of hurt it too and it didn't feel like anyone was really getting a reaction either, even the people like uh, like a Joey Janela you would have expected to. Yeah. Um, to go through the card, we had uh, another a tag team title rematch. Uh, the Grizzled Young Vets beat Mustache Mountain. And apparently there was a stip where if Mustache Mountain lost, they wouldn't challenge for the titles for six months. Mm. They didn't, so... <laughs> I'm glad somebody remembered that. Yeah. It felt very slapped on. But, yeah, we had Will Ospreay beating Mark Haskins. I, I'll be honest, I don't remember much of this one. Yep. Then we had a uh, ring conf beating David Starr and Keith Lee. It was supposed to be a uh, sexy star, but Sexsmith had some personal issues and couldn't make WrestleMania weekend, which which sucked because his title match was after WrestleMania mm. weekend too. Yeah, this was probably where they were trying to do the, the heavy build for that. Um, yeah. Instead, we got to see Walter pin David Starr again, though. So I was glad they kept that going. The cosmic ballet rolls on. <laughs> Uh, we then got our Thunder Bastard match. It was... Can you name two people out of it? Uh, I'm cheating because I've got a cage match in front of me, but oh, I yeah. might have struggled. I mean, I, I, I'd remember Janela being in there. and I'd remembered the being... At the time, I wasn't very... Uh, I didn't know MJF that well uh, as a name. And I remember seeing his name announced and wondering exactly who he was. I remember... Yeah. Kind of scratching my head on who Pyro was. Uh, yeah, this was for a progress staple match, a very unprogress match. They kind of just shoved anybody and everybody into this thing. Yeah, Darby Allen got hurt in this one, and we didn't get Darby Allen versus Walter at Evolve the next day. Mm, that was a shame. And then they ended up going doing it in like Baltimore, and they had like a match of the year. Mm. Wish I'd have seen it. <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Cobb won. Mm. And that's good. Jeff Cobb's good. That's a trivia note for you. Yeah, Jeff Cobb. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Pretty <progress>. good. <laughs> yeah, he's solid. <laughs> uh, we had a women's tag match. Ginny and Mercedes Martinez beat Chaz McKenzie and Tony Storm. Uh, Mer- they were building the Ginny and Tony Storm at the big manchester show mm. so so yeah makes sense uh we had matt riddle and jimmy havoc uh i think i remember jimmy havoc 
doing the paper cut thing with Matt Riddle's toes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we had what, for my money, was the best match on the card. Pete Dunn beating Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. Mm. Uh, I don't think Flash had his gear because he was out in jeans. <laughs> I didn't know. He had just joined uh, Team Don't Explain, so I didn't know if that was that was a fashion statement or what. Mm. But Yeah, I, th- I think yeah. I remember him saying around the time that his gear didn't arrive. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was an odd one, that. Um, it was hard to work out whether he was supposed to be full heel at that point. He... Yeah, it, it was a it was a match where I think the wrestlers worked well, but it, it, that's one that sticks out to me because I remember Eddie Dennis coming out as a surprise appearance uh, after that one. And oh yeah, actually directly refer- referencing uh, how silent he thought it was in there. <sighs> and then we had the main event: uh, Travis Banks defeating Shane Strickland. Mm. Yeah, that happened. It was a match. I think Travis Banks, uh, did he get cut open? Yeah, I think he caught his eye in that one. Uh, that's probably the most yeah. thing. I think he won it was a Kiwi Crusher off the top, wasn't it? I remember the finish too. Uh, that was a shame though, because that was one that I was excited for him in Strickland. And it, it, again, WrestleMania weekend's busy, so matches do get forgotten. But that was one that, yeah, very, very much went under the radar. Yeah, and that, I think Travis got pulled from the... Uh... Yeah, a couple people got pulled from the Evolve show later that day, too, because they were hurt. So, mm. yeah. But that was fun, though. I remember walking in because that was the first show of the weekend for me. Mm. I was running a little late, so I, like, dropped my stuff off at the hotel because it was next door to the to where the shows were happening. Mm. And I run over, I get in there, and I'm just looking at everything, taking everything in. And I see B Priestley at the uh, at the merch table, <laughs> and I just wave at her like a dork, and she just waves back. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of so it, that <laughs> you get oh, the yeah, real progress experience there, getting to see getting to see the wrestlers and getting to buy your merch. It is it. I think it's easy for us over in the UK to get a little bit jaded on oh, why do they keep doing so many of these US tours? But yeah, you've seen. You've seen progress a hell of a lot more times than probably uh, you should have. Yeah. And that leads into the next day. Well, I could get into WrestleMania weekend, but there wasn't a lot of progress stuff. (laughs) Yeah, Mark, I think Mark Haskins did a match at Evolve. Mm. I can't for the life of me remember against (laughs) two. And then Walter beat up Tracy Williams instead of Darby Allen, which... Yeah, it was good, but, you know, <laughs> what match of the year. No. I'm not bitter about it at all. What was the best thing you saw that weekend, Suit? Oh, dude, Joe, uh, spring break. Uh, the show itself, like, wasn't great, and I figured it wouldn't be. Like, that's not what it's for. But mm. that whole experience, like... They like before the show even started. They were playing music. They were just playing music over the loudspeakers, mm. and they played a Bohemian Rhapsody, <laughs> and everybody started singing. So like a thousand people singing Bohemian Rhapsody at midnight in New Orleans, <laughs> and then there were two women walking around with uh, Ciroc vodka bottles and just giving out shots. <laughs> That sounds right for a, a Janela Spring Break. Uh, 
yeah, the, yeah. The, the people I know who were there that were saying it, it went a little bit late for their tastes and they were getting a little bit tired towards the end. But try, uh, I was covering it for the Indie Corner, doing podcasts every day on the on the live shows, and that was the one where nine thirty in the morning, uh, I was still sat there um, watching watching Janelle and Great Sasuke. Um, and my girlfriend got out of bed and just looked at me like, what are you doing with your life? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I slept hard that day. Uh, it was worth it, though. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was it was worthwhile. I don't know whether I'll do that this year, but, uh, yeah, I did feel like I wanted to be part of, of that, and it made me, yeah, want that, to... That's a that's a live show I want to get to at some point, a, a Janela spring break. Yeah, uh, I ha- it, that was fun. It was just toward the end we had the never-ending cluster match. Mm-hmm. Oh boy! And then we had the never-ending Janela uh, Great Sasuke match. Yeah, that was tough. I enjoyed it as a moment, but God, yeah, that thing went long. It was just like it's too. I my hotel's next door, and I'm still telling them, "Come on, wrap it up, let's go." <laughs> yeah, I remember being there with Joe Lanza from uh, Voice of the Wrestling. Mm. And I've he heard him was, talk about he that. He said like, he saw you play in the wall. Were you st- standing at the back with him? Yeah. And it was just like, woof, come on, guys. <laughs> uh, I also remember uh, Ron Funches was there. Mm. And I told somebody, I think Ron Funches is here. And he, like, slapped me on the shoulder because he was walking past. <laughs> yeah, he did commentary. He was wasted on that commentary. He was great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, yeah, that was fun. And then that... The next show I saw was Progress Chapter 67, mm. which was the second uh, New Orleans show. Were you aware and that this... Corbin is a biscuit? Did, did, did you know that was a thing? Did you recognize the title? I was unaware. <laughs> it's a very, very well, not famous, but a well-known uh, uh, cookie, I suppose you call it, uh, in the UK. Nice chocolate biscuit, uh, a Bourbon. Uh, highly recommended oh. with, a, with a nice cup of tea or coffee. Cool. All right. Uh, this this was uh, one of my favorite shows of the weekend because, like, it the first five matches were just like, wow, this stuff's really good. Mm. Yeah, and I didn't think I'd be saying that about Chris Brooks versus Ray Horace, but they started that match and it was just like, wow, this is really good. Mm. Good lucha worker, Chris Brooks. Let's get him in CMLO. <laughs> Yeah, he's one of those. He's a, he's a student of the game, isn't he? Um, like when he when he's the type of wrestler when he works a match like this, you know it means something to him because he's probably been studying tape of the guy for for absolutely years. So yeah, he does a does always put the effort in on things like that. Yeah, and like coming into it, I was like, like neither guy like had really impressed me. I had seen Horace in uh, Lucha Underground, mm. and uh, it was like they were both okay, but like this match was like is where I, like, got it with them. Hmm. Yeah, the Dragon Azteca yeah. thing in Lucha Underground uh, wasn't the best, but, yeah, he's someone yeah. who, yeah, he made a bit of a, a name for himself that weekend, but there's still plenty more you can do with him. Yeah. Uh, we had Tony Storm defending against Mercedes Martinez, uh, the Progress Women's title. Tony Storm won, of course. Um, we were supposed to get Will Ospreay versus Austin Theory, hmm. but... Uh, Will Ospreay had asked for it to be a mixed tag. Mm. 
I was expecting Bea Priestley to come out. Yeah, that would have made sense. I had, I had, uh, I was sat next to Jeff Hawkins from Shake Them Ropes, and I think I said, uh, "Here comes Bea Priestley," mm. and then Kaylee Ray showed up, and I was like, "All right," because, <laughs> like Bea Priestley's good. I don't want to like, I don't want to like say like she's bad or anything, but Kaylee Ray is awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of a double surprise for you there because they're, they're turning on your head what your expectations were. But yeah, Kaylee Ray is definitely, for me, one of the better uh, wrestlers uh, across the UK scene. So always a good thing when she gets added to a card. But yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. B's no slouch. And yeah, it's a, yeah. interesting that they, they didn't use her here considering she was she was right there in the building. Yeah. And that led, so that was uh, Will Ospreay and Kaylee Ray versus Austin Theory and Ginny. Mm. And this match was a lot of fun. Mm. Like they were, uh, like it was just a, Osprey working a lot harder than he had any right to. <laughs> and then there was there was this fun stuff with like voodoo dolls. My, I'm sorry, my dad's playing keyboard. <laughs> now my dad's playing the keyboard. It's it's wild. <laughs> Don't but worry, yeah. I can't hear it. I wish I could. That's good. Well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah uh this was a lot of fun and jenny got the win he rolled up kaylee ray mm-hmm. yeah that let then we got uh david star keith lee and matt riddle versus team never explain <laughs> uh i called flash morgan uh i shouted you're a nerd flash and they all looked at me <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I believe Team Never Explain one. I'm actually on the. I'm on card when I should be on results. There we go. Yes, they won. Uh, we got Walter Zack Saber Jr. one here. Mm. Good trivia yeah. note, that to be honest, because yeah, I, I probably wouldn't have wouldn't have called it. Probably the the less memorable um, of their matches, but. Again, uh, you're not going to get a bad match, are you, with, with those two? Um, uh, I remember it being a lot of kind of Zack Sabre powdering from Walter and kind of being a little bit more cowardly, as he kind of plays up to sometimes. Um, but then obviously yeah, he coming was... back and grabbing the submissions when when he desperately could. Um, but yeah, I, I do remember this one being strong. Yeah. Um, I This was... This was another time I saw Walter. Not the first time, but we had the really good chops here. Mm. And man, yeah, he was. <laughs> it's something live, isn't it? When you when you see him, hear him for the first time, it's just like, wow, <laughs> he is hitting them hard. Yeah, but yeah, Walter won, and this was uh, to solidify his number one contendership mm. for the Progress World Title. Yeah. Even though he wasn't getting the next shot, yeah, I think I think with him or the com- shot after, I think with him coming out and having the face to face with Travis on the last UK trap to show, I already remember it feeling like a bit of a a foregone conclusion here, but uh, still a a good match and a match worthwhile. Yeah, doing. I mean, still you if you give me Saber Walter, I'm gonna watch mm. it. Yeah, doesn't matter the circumstance. Yeah, uh, and then the uh, last two matches were fine, but like they didn't really. They didn't live up to the bar that was set by the rest of the card. We had the Grizzled Young Veterans beating 
Ethan and Ricky Shane Page. Mm. I mean, you know, it's Ricky Shane Page. <laughs> Not in the death match, so. Yeah, he seems to get booked as a more of a favor in progress, doesn't he? Because he's friends with the owners. He seems like a lovely bloke. Uh, I don't yeah. know when he's done Fight Club Pro and he's the, you know he did the Death House uh, in 2017 and he's done a couple of matches for them since. He's a likable guy and he's not the worst uh, deathmatch worker going, um, but he does always stand out when he's on on slots like this on progress cards. Yeah, he was funny in the Thunder Bastard. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and then uh, we had Travis Banks beating Jeff Cobb, mm. and. You know, it was a 10-minute title match. Mm. Yeah. I, I remember it being one where I was just happy that it gave Travis something of a of a clean win. Um, yeah. Again, he was very much in, in chicken shit heel mode at this point, but it at least gave him some credibility to beat a, a strong challenger like Jeff Cobb. Yeah. Uh, if I were to recommend uh, one of the shows, I'd say the second one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the livelier Does. crowd. And the yeah, livelier crowd. Yeah. I I haven't gone back and watched them on tape since, but they were both good. Mm. Yeah. And that would bring us into Super Strong Style 16. Yeah, so... Where do you want to get started here? Just from the top? The one thing I, I mean, for me, the big thing from Super Strong Style Weekends, it was the time when it was when the music came back for a oh, short yeah. period. Progress got the music back. Janela got to come out to Kavinsky. Tyler got to come out to Sledgehammer. Uh, yeah, it, it kind of made the the big occasion being at Ali Pali, um, which doesn't always look great on on tape, considering how many people are there. You can't always tell when you watch it on tape it gave it a bit of a a bit more of a a big show atmosphere uh yeah, yeah. so i was definitely uh, definitely glad to see that but yeah i think it's a super strong styles always a time a bit like the g1 where so many strong matches kind of happen over the weekend that sometimes uh, they get forgotten uh by end of year but i did think this was a a decent entry and in, uh in strong style canon yeah so uh, the first day was the whole first round. You had Pete Dunn beating Doug Williams. Mm. This kind of kicked off uh, Doug's retirement run because mm. I remember Progress posting a video of Doug thinking, uh, maybe I'm done. Mm. And then uh, Pete shows up and says, no, you're not. You're you're fine. Mm. Keep going. Mm. Yeah, he kind of... I think I liked him in this kind of veteran role. Um, obviously, he shouldn't be beating Pete Dunne and he shouldn't be going too far in Super Strong Style, but I would have preferred if he got like a little mini run maybe because I did yeah. feel like in that run to him eventually getting that nice moment with the Atlas Belt, um, it was pretty much a losing streak, wasn't it? It did maybe take the stakes out of it a little bit, but um, I suppose you could argue against that, that it that in some ways that adds to the drama too. But yeah, that was a that was a fun little thing that Progress did through the summer. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I'd have given Doug a win, too. Like, maybe have him, like, beat Zach Gibson or something. Mm. Like, because Zach will be fine. Mm. Yeah. But then we had 
a maybe a breakout match of the tournament as Zack Sabre Jr. beat Chuck Mambo mm. in a shockingly good match. Yeah, that was one where, for me, it felt like I, I wouldn't have... If I was there live, I'm not sure I would have bought it when Chuck Mambo was trying to beat Zack and grabbing roll-ups and you know having near falls, but I think Zack did such a good job with him. I mean, something really clicked with, with Mambo himself. Um, there, whether it was the big occasion, the, the beach balls getting thrown around, always looks good as well. Uh, or maybe it was just yeah, uh, how good Zach is. But yeah, they really this felt it felt like a breakthrough at the time. It didn't lead to a huge amount, unfortunately, for Mambo. We've got a a very different Chuck Mambo in progress uh, by the end of the year. Uh, but it did. It felt like a a, a, a surprisingly uh, very strong match. That yeah, going in. You would have maybe just expected it to be a, a quick Zack Sabre victory. Yeah, I did a preview for PW Ponderings where I said if Zack Sabre Jr., if this match is longer than two minutes, wrestling is fake. <laughs> but we got I'm... a good match out of it. <laughs> did they convince you in any way that it was uh, that it was still real? They they got me. It's still real to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, we had uh, David Starr beat TK Cooper. Mm. Uh, Angelico beat Mark Andrews. Mm. I I don't remember much of Angelico. Yeah, he kind of had a uh, yeah. tournament. Yeah, Eddie Dennis showed up and uh, got in Mark's way, mm. leading Angelico, getting the win. And this is really where the uh, the Eddie and Mark Andrews story would pick up. Mm. Yeah, uh, we had Tyler Bate beating Jordan Devlin. They mm. brought Jordan Devlin in. And he had a really good match. Yeah, I think he had a good weekend, similar to uh, to Mambo. Devlin was someone who Progress should have been using a lot more prior to this, and it did feel like a a bit of a again. A, a, this Tyler match wasn't exactly you know one of Devlin's best matches of the year, but the weekend as a whole felt like a bit of a a ten for for Devlin, and I think the Progress fans started to see what what OTT fans have been uh, screaming about for at least eighteen months at this point. Yeah, and yeah, this was more of this was part of his like rehab from his like from his unfortunately off showing in the uh, mm. in the uh, UK title tournament. That's it, yeah, um, and his the unfortunate chance that he uh, he still gets from time to time from fans or Balor and the size of his head. Um, it did feel like that, that dissipated a little bit for this weekend. Well, he's back getting them now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blame the Fed for that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we had Zach Gibson beat Joey Janela. It's listed as 14 seconds, but it went for about 10 minutes because Janela was fighting them both. Yeah, they didn't announce to thee which one of the two was going to be in. Uh, I suppose it was kind of a, a clever angle, but a bit of a weird thing to do in, a, in the straight work rate tournament. Yeah. Uh, we had Keith Lee beating Flash Morgan Webster. I thought this was really good. Mm. Yeah, it was kind of the height of Flash Morgan Webster being almost Daniel Bryan in the Wyatt family, you know, very much being yeah. in the the gear of the of the group of the Never Explained group, but you still acting very much the babyface. Uh, again, that's Flash Morgan Webster's strongest role for me, and yeah, against a big man like Keith Lee, he was always going to deliver, and I do, yeah, I definitely did rate this one. Yeah, and then we got the main event, which, uh, oh yeah, Cassius Ono was here. <laughs> uh, he beat Chris Brooks. Yeah, this was a shame. This match because I, 
it being in the main event, Chris Brooks, again, with Lycos being out injured, it felt like they were trying to do something with him as a as a singles wrestler. They put a it felt like they put a lot of faith into him. Um by putting him here but I, I at the time uh, and i was quite critical of him then and i'm i still remain so now i don't think he really lived up to it uh this was a big moment for brooks as a singles wrestler and it just and everyone was excited to see hero back on or ono back on the indies and it just wasn't really up there with his great matches and not really up there really with his with his nxt matches either um for me this was a match where it felt like brooks was was someone who didn't really live up to sometimes a lot of the hype that he gets uh as great as he is as a tag wrestler uh yeah this was uh not the not the best moment for him as a singles wrestler yeah and i i was coming off the no dq match with uh tk Mm. and then the match with ray horace in new orleans Mm. and then it just like i was like feeling chris brooks a little bit and then Mm. it just like unfortunately it didn't click for him yeah didn't really click here. No, it was weird. It was just like the the fans. I don't know if they were tired from a long night of matches, but I remember them not really. They went to the, like the finishing sequence, big strike, big main event strike battles, and they just weren't really reacting. Uh, unfortunately, for the level that I think would have been expected there for again for Ono's big return and Chris Books's possibly his biggest singles match in progress at that point. Uh, so yeah, a bit of a shame really that it was a bit of a a damp squib to to end night one. Yeah. So on the night two, we had, oh boy, we had Zach Gibson beating Pete Dunne by DQ. This was a lot of nonsense. <laughs> yeah, I think the problem with having done in a tournament like this is you'd never really know whether progress are allowed to, to beat him straight, even when he's in there with an NXT UK guy like Gibson. Yeah. yeah, the finish was kind of he got DQ'd for for using a chair, didn't he? Um, despite all the, it felt like there was like fifty people in the ring as well because of all the the run-ins that they did there too. Um, yeah, it was it was James Drake, and uh, and then Team Never Explained came out because they were gonna fight British Strong Style in uh, at the big Manchester show. Mm. Yeah, there was just too much going on there, really. Um, but again, yeah. it felt like an out to get. Get done out of the tournament uh, in a way where you didn't have to beat him straight. Um, again, that uh, he is the WWE UK champion, so I can understand it. But then again, maybe maybe you shouldn't have put him in the tournament if you if you couldn't beat him. Yeah, I would have had him win because I just want to see Walter and Pete done. <laughs> and I guess I will now, but yeah, you gotta get it. But just I'll be a progress. lot less excited. I'll be a lot less excited for it. You're going to get it as a 40-minute Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Johnny Gargano-style epic. Uh, That's almost certainly what you're going to get. And it'll have barely any buzz because Gabe Sapolsky's booking it. (laughs) At least Joe Coffey's not in there, though, so, you know, small messies. Oh, hey. It could always be worse. (laughs) Well, not that much worse. (laughs) I haven't watched the match yet. All right. Uh, then we had Jordan Devlin beating Chuck Mambo and TK Cooper. Mm. Jordan Devlin escaped the mid-card here. Mm. Yeah, the other two didn't. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, they were kind of, again, the two big winners of the weekend at the time felt like Devlin and Mambo. Um, again, it didn't work out really long-term for Mambo, but, you know, this heel run might do something with him. 
But for Devlin, yeah, it felt like a, a standout moment. This was the match, wasn't it, where he did the overhead kick with the uh, the beach ball, got yeah. the into the ring. Uh, that was a that was a great spot as well. If you weren't into Jordan Devlin already, uh, those perfectly timed uh, techers that he displayed uh, had to help too. <laughs> yeah, it was it was worthwhile doing. Even though I probably would have given him a longer run in the tournament, um, he feels like a memorable name, even though he crashed out in round one because he got this moment on night two as well. Yeah. And then the match was pretty good, too. Mm. Yeah. So uh, then we got Team Never Explained versus Chris Brooks, Joey Janela, and Mark Andrews. Uh, Team Never Explained won, and then Joey Janela challenged Jimmy Havoc to another death match at night three. Yeah, purely set up for that, really, this thing, wasn't it? Yeah. And getting over that Flash wasn't getting along with the other two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, we had Keith Lee beating Angelico. Mm. Where'd you stand on Angelico? Uh, he's I can I could do without him. Like mm-hmm. if he's on the show, I'll I'll watch his match, but mm. you know I won't think about it too far after. Yeah, he's a bit of a mystery for me. It's like obviously he, he's mainly notable, isn't he, for the big dives he did in the Lucha Underground Temple, plus that. That Bangaranga entrance that he did get to use on this weekend. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I'd rather see Jack Evans if you're going to give me um, someone else of that duo. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not, I, I, saying that, I'm not as, as harsh on Alco as some. Um, yeah, he, he's he's solid. He's an extra body that you can put in tournaments like this to have solid matches with Keith Lee, but he's never going to have the high-level uh, match with Keith Lee that you get. He's just someone who, for me, he's usually... Maybe a mild disappointment, uh, pretty much every time he's out there. Um, even if, yeah, again, I'm not, maybe not as negative as uh, as some are out there. Yeah, I don't hate him, but like the goodwill from his dives in Lucha Underground, that first one being my favorite, one of my favorite moments in Lucha Underground ever. Mm. Yeah, that's it. it's one uh, of the most memorable yeah. ones, isn't it? Um, yeah, because yeah, I rem, I remember that I got spoiled on like the title change, mm. but the way they did the match, I thought they had maybe retaped it. Mm. So, like, change it because someone got hurt. But then Angelico does his dive, and it's just like, I'm, like, jump, I'm standing and pacing in my room, as <laughs> Joe Lanza would say. <laughs> yeah, but that goodwill's kind of worn off. Yeah. That's it. But hey, he needs to to show something this year if he's going to continue to take these European bookings. I think he's based in Spain now, isn't he? Uh, yeah. He can't just be out there being the guy who has three star matches. Uh, if he's got it in his locker, yeah, 2019 is the time to show it. Yeah. Then we had, I believe, this was one of my matches of the tournament. Uh, David Starr and Zack Saber Jr. Mm. Man, this was fantastic. Mm. I just remember them standing there and just trading slaps and it just being brutality, just intense. Uh, it felt like a a real fight. Uh, and that's I think that's the a lot of the time the, the best you can hope for with a match. Um, it was There was a lot of Zack Sabre limb work, a lot of Star using that handstance and lariat as like a consistent weapon throughout it. Just a yeah, a real fight. This one felt like, and yeah, if you if you're gonna recommend it from this day, it's it, for me, it's very much this. Yeah, I I said something to the effect of Zach of Saber 
ever tried to legally put David Starr in a wheelchair because <laughs> he just took his he took both his legs out and then after the match I think Starr like army crawled to the back. Mm. He's so good yes. at taking losses, isn't he? I mean, I don't know if that's a good oh, thing, this whole thing. But he's there's something dramatic about when he loses and he sells it so well, doesn't he? Uh, maybe he wouldn't want to be on the losing end too much, but as far as being there, he's very good at it. Um, How also, is he not signed? Like, I hope he never gets signed. I mean, for him personally, obviously. Well, maybe not to WWE, but maybe like maybe all elite mm, once they fire up. That makes sense. Yeah, he's someone you can, he can talk, he can wrestle. He can be a heel, yeah. he can be a face. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be, I think he'd be money in that setting. He's someone who I'd, uh, I'd go for. Yeah, and he's not really he's not really had a run in like any of the big indies. Like he was in ROH for like two days. Mm. But like he's did he did has he done Evolve? I feel like he he must have done like a one shot or two, but he, he does he prides himself on being the indie wrestler, doesn't he? Um it would maybe go against how he's been talking himself up over the next two years. If he did sign, sign a, a big contract somewhere, maybe that's part of it, and he's trying to be the, the well, last man standing yeah. on the indies. Uh, but he's so good, you're right. Uh, he gets... Yeah. Have you noticed that? I mean, I don't know how closely you follow uh, the Brit Res kind of Twitter culture, but there's definitely times where David Starr gets gets grief that I just don't think is is relevant. I just don't see what people are seeing. Um, you don't think he's... He's great because he is. Uh, again, yeah, great promo, great face, great heel. I don't see what the problem is. I I don't care about that other stuff. Mm. Like I can I can separate that. Like I don't I I don't care. Like mm. I think yeah. sometimes, yeah. I don't think he's ever. Again, we're not alluding to him doing anything serious. I think he, he's someone who yeah. gets into Twitter spats a lot, so that that makes him fall out with with certain fans who have influence, who then, you know, turn anti David Star, and it becomes like a mini movement. But I think, yeah, that felt like it was a big thing in the middle of the year, but towards the end of the year, I think he's he's won pretty much everybody over with his good work, and even yet, yeah, his most yeah. most stringent haters uh, can't get through the the noise at this point. Yeah, it's kind of like the same thing with Ronda Rousey, but mm. David Starr hasn't said anything objectionable to my no. knowledge. That's it. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> this awesome worker is doing awesome work. Exactly. Okay, I'm supposed to be mad? <laughs> yeah. So All right, and next. Yeah. But next, Benno, where were you when Laura DiMatteo returned to progress? If you told me that it was any other show, I'd believe you because I could not even remember that this was a return. She she was a mystery partner for Millie McKenzie and Sierra Loxton. Was she? I don't remember that. She at all. was. Wow. She's so forgettable as a wrestler. She's just. Uh... They did the Genie feud, and it was a good story, well told. The blow off match wasn't the greatest. And then ever since then, she's just languished as this weird MMA babyface having below average matches um, with not much charisma and not much else going for her, unfortunately. I don't mean to be harsh, but she's someone who progress. I've given chance after chance after chance, and she's just never delivered for me. Yeah, it's like, well, first, well, it didn't help that he, like, vanished after the Ginny feud the first time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but then he comes back, and uh, I came up with a term uh, to explain what happened to Laura Di Matteo. <laughs> I called it the Virgil theory. <laughs> Go on, I've got to hear this. Where basically she was Ginny's Virgil. Ginny <laughs> was Ted DiBiase. Laura Di Matteo was Virgil. They did the feud. And then nothing else happened. <laughs> like the same thing happened with Alex Riley to yeah. the Miz. Yeah, that's that's the. It's just. It's the. It's the uh, the Virgil theory. Yeah, Virgil just carried on, just collecting a paycheck, didn't he? Uh, popping up yeah. for the odd to job off to the stars appearance. Somehow, yeah, hanging on with his contract and hanging on through the Monday Night Wars in the NWO and forever making a, a decent living out of conventions. Uh, maybe that's Laura Di Matteo's future. Um, but I don't think she's even that memorable, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, she certainly had a comparable run. Although they never did put Virgil back with, uh, with the Million Dollar Man, so yeah, that's uh, that's one tick against her. Right. Uh, yeah, then we had Tyler Bate beating Cassius Ono. Hmm. That result would stick. <laughs> yeah. This is where it all kind of went wrong a little bit, didn't it, for progress? Uh, <laughs> and their, their long-term booking plans that they had. A strong match. Yeah. A, a much better Cassius Odo match than the night one. Um, I think it looked like he was out there having the time of his life working against uh, Tyler's strongman stuff. Um, but yeah, the uh, like you say, the, the result would uh, unfortunately not stick. Yeah, this would be the first of many of Progress's plans to for Wembley to fall through. <laughs> yeah, and then we had the main event. It was Walter versus Travis Banks, champion versus champion for the Progress World Title. Mm. And Walter won by countout. <laughs> yeah, it's like Walk Travis Walk. <laughs> it felt or this felt like your big match, your big day two match that that the kind of solidify. You get the tournament, but you also get a big match like this. It had the big match feel, lots of healing from Banks, lots of domination from Walter. But they both played the role so well. It felt like an important match. But yeah, when when that finish came, as soon as they rolled to the outside, I remember just thinking, yeah, I know what's coming here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, again, another one of those finishes that it's designed to get heat on Travis Banks, but I think it just pisses off the people there live more than anything. Yeah, it just gets you annoyed more than anything. Mm. Yeah, you get, you get mad at the, the promotion and the booker, you don't get mad at the wrestler. That's just kind of 2018, 2019 for you. Yeah. Uh, if, they, if they could keep the... Uh... I had an idea around this time where if they could keep the licensed music, I'd have Travis Banks come out to walk by Pantera. <laughs> That'd have been fun. He could have done a too. RVD tribute instead of a Roman Reigns tribute. I prefer that. Um... He does the coast to coast too. Hey, <laughs> throw a frog splash in. <laughs> so on to day three, we had as a cage match uh, says it. <clears throat> The Super Strong Style 16 Tournament 2018 Semi-Final Qualifying Wasteman Challenge Match. <laughs> I missed the word. <laughs> it was it was the Hangover Challenge, and uh, Cassius Ono won to get back in the tournament. Yeah. 
Uh, I remember Angelica wearing a GoPro during this one. <laughs> you mentioned someone called Roy Johnson. Who's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he kind of came out for his Wasteland Challenge here, didn't he? And it was like, oh, yeah, he, he's still... He does stuff for progress sometimes. Uh, I remember Devlin killing it on the mic. Uh, oh, yeah. Because they did, like... They did the Wasteman Challenge, which is a, a rap battle. Mm. And Devlin said something about Johnson not getting booked again for WWE UK. Two house something shows and no payday, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that was fun, but I think they probably really justifiably again there was the the Travis sorry the the Tyler Bates injury that, that took him out. You probably could have just slotted Cassiusono back in without doing uh, this match to get him back in the tournament. You could have just said, uh, well, you know, he, he lost, so he's back. But I suppose they had to justify it in some way, and it was a it was a fun waste of time, if nothing else. Plus, if you were doing this match, they were going to do this match anyway, so they might as well throw Ono in there. Give it some stakes. Yeah. Uh, We had Haskins and Webster of Team Don't Explain beat Mills and Mayhew. This didn't need to happen. It was two minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We had uh, Zack Sabre Jr. beat Keith Lee. Mm. I think this was keith lee's last progress match it was yeah because it was, it was coming not long after i've been to wxw and, and seeing him get a, a similar kind of send-off uh yeah yeah he, he he's someone who's definitely uh, i've felt hugely missed from the indies a big confident big man uh i think we we, we miss him uh he's someone who yeah he had a couple more years on the indies i would have uh, very much enjoyed not that i begrudge him um taking that that nxt deal and he's been doing uh, pretty good work uh, there as well on the nxt roster uh, but yeah a good way uh, to go out a strong match i was gonna say i missed him in wrestling because i haven't seen much of him since like mm. he hasn't had a takeover match he that's doesn't the thing. seem to be getting pushed. He should much. be over, shouldn't he? He feels like he's kind of when they put him on TV, he's over. It's just they haven't kind of pulled. They the haven't found him. that slot for him. Yeah, it's the problem with them hoarding all these wrestlers, isn't it? When someone who yeah. as good as Keith Lee uh, is not getting on takeovers, he's not on the one this weekend. Uh, that is a that is an indictment of uh, WWE's current hiring policy. Because yeah, there's, he could have been doing all kinds on the indies. Not that I'm sure he's uh, he's particularly missing it. Yeah, Donovan Dijak and uh, Axel Dieter have been getting a paid uh, gym membership for the past couple of years, too. But they're <laughs> starting to get on TV as well. There you go. you got to be patient and you got to trust the process. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you had uh, Cassius Ono versus Zach Gibson. I thought this, I thought this was very average. Mm. Yeah, like, it wasn't your, your Super Ono match, was it? It was kind of your straight yeah. heel-face match that the, the crowd didn't really get into. It was his second match of th- uh, in a three-match day, so True. I don't blame him if he, took, if, like, he rested up a little bit for the final. Mm. I'm certainly not mad at him for it. Mm. Yeah, and not a match that he was planning on being in either, so you know, yeah, fair play to him yeah. if, he, uh, if, he, if he wanted to take it easy on the way to the final. Yeah. Uh we had a death match. Joey Janela beat Jimmy Havoc. Mm. Uh I had watched their one in New York the year before. This one wasn't up to wasn't up to that one, but as far as like death matches go, mm. 
Like it was fine, I guess. Yeah, it, it was it was your typical messy Jimmy Havoc death match with bare feet and drawing pins and superplexes off the top. That's it. It did what it what it said on the tin. Um, even if you yeah, sometimes I'll watch a match like this, and if the and they weren't really getting a huge reaction, you kind of think, is it worth it to, to be going to be going to this? But in some ways, it was worth it because it allowed Havoc to look like an absolute dishevelled. Feet covered in blood, mess, perfectly lining them up for the uh, the promo that came after it. Yeah, because Will Osprey came out mm. looking like a stud, standing over Jimmy Havoc, covered <laughs> in thumbtacks in his jeans. Oh, he couldn't have looked any better, could he? Osprey was just like, yeah, he was happy, positively shining out there, and the difference between the two of them and the paths that they they both walked. It was a great bit of a visual storytelling um and a great bit of way of yeah havoc getting his frustration out for for who he was now uh in progress a, a shell of his former self and yeah the tables turning and yeah osprey coming out and being like this this big star now almost looking down on jimmy havoc i thought they were both absolutely incredible in the in the little promo exchange that they had yeah and they built up to their match this was uh the challenge for the match at wembley which it would happen, just mm. not at Wembley. <laughs> so next up, we had Tony Storm taking on Charlie Morgan for the Progress Women's title. Uh, this was kind of, I don't want to say a blow-off, but it was the return match from when Charlie Morgan turned on Tony Storm. Um, yeah, it was fine. The big grudge match. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, Charlie Morgan's such a weird character. Like, uh... I honestly don't watch a lot of Eve, but the Eve that I have seen, I've always thought she comes across as a confident character. Never seen it in progress. She always she seems to have like the the coordination of Wiley Coyote in her in her matches in progress. I've just not <laughs> not she's just not come across as the the star that I've seen her come across in maybe the the smaller uh, environment of Eve. I don't know if it's a confidence thing or, or what, but yeah, she was just another kind of faceless challenger for tony storm here it wasn't the uh, the big moment for her that it that it could have been yeah and did you need charlie morgan joining jenny's group because <laughs> like you could have done a thing where you had this feud going while jenny's hand was broken mm. like you didn't need her in the house of couture no. and it didn't lead to anything nope so. She, she she ended up looking like a schmuck when it all ended as well. So yeah, just uh, yeah, not a good look for Charlie Morgan. Again, I think Progress's use of the the women's division wasn't great, but there is talent there, and she's someone who I've seen be great elsewhere. So yeah, maybe you can blame the booking a little bit for her kind of floundering in Progress too. Yeah, I I guess in Eve he's not the he's not a body for Jenny to bump around. Exactly, yeah. She's more of like a standalone star. Yeah. All right, so next match. This was depressing. Walter beat <laughs> TK Cooper in three minutes. Uh, I've got such fond memories of the South Pacific Power Trip against Ring Kampf in, in 2017. Poor TK Cooper. He, that, 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 that tag match was the perfect use of him uh, that last year where he was taking a beating from Walter, but like crucially... 
he fought back. Whereas here, he just it felt like a regression for him. Uh, I think the old, he got did, blitzed. Like yeah. he just did he get a low blow maybe somewhere? Hit a Roman Reigns spear somewhere? He never looked competitive, did he? He got as much offense as Mills and Mayhew did in the tag match. Like, mm. and that's not a good sign. No. I get it as a storytelling device to to the bigger picture, which is, you know, Travis Banks and Walter again. But, yeah, it said everything about how far TK Cooper's stock had fell at this point in progress. Yeah. Uh, And then afterwards, Travis said, you're not getting a title shot as long as you're Atlas champion. And Walter just gave Jim Smallman the belt. And that was that. Yeah. I mean... We went from Walter to Joseph Connors challenging for the belt. I mean, what's the... For me, this was the point where I was like, is there even a point in keeping the Atlas belt around? Uh, They they probably could have Nigel McGuinness there. Like, Nigel McGuinness when he was the pure champion in ROH and just... It got swallowed up by the world title in that match with Brian Danielson. Uh, I think that might have been a better route. Um, Yeah, the Atlas title hasn't been up to much ever since this point. And yeah, as much as Walter built it up, him just leaving it behind like it it didn't really mean anything anymore uh kind of killed that belt for me yeah maybe maybe they could build some up where they can eventually put them back together and come up with another way to you know get the guys who aren't in the world title picture something to do mm. that doesn't involve an arbitrary weight limit yeah that makes sense yeah and then we got the super strong style 16 final it was Zack Sabre Jr. and Cassius Ono. This was really good. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Cool as well, because you got... It felt like... Uh, remember when Taz and Mike Awesome had that match in ECW, when Taz was the WWE guy and Mike Awesome was the WCW guy? It's kind of yeah. what we got here, wasn't it? It was like a NXT versus New Japan match. You didn't expect this coming into the weekend. Yeah. But yeah, this this was... Tied for my highest-rated match of the weekend with Saber and Star, mm. and just man, Zack Saber Junior's good. Yeah, I know, I know as well. Um, yeah, yeah. It was just it was the match when they put Cassius Ono into this tournament. We we labored over the the Brooks match. That wasn't what you wanted. This was what you wanted. You wanted them to have a match against someone you're not likely to get him to see him work against any time again soon and just to deliver at an absolutely high level and yet it was just a a great match of like the, your battle of technique versus like Ono's power uh, it was another match for Zack Sabre as well where it felt like every match he had on that weekend was felt a little bit different too that's he's such a good tournament wrestler like that isn't he that he's not telling you the same story every match it's always something something slightly different um and yeah this one in, in being in there with a veteran like Ono who almost felt like a bit of a, a proud dad in there uh, after the match putting Zack Sabre over uh yeah real 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 highlight of the weekend and yeah they were dealt a bad hands with uh with Tyler Bate going down injured but it, it led to this and it I think it's uh not the worst backup plan in the world to to go with Zack Sabre Jr even if those best laid plans uh also uh became problematic later in the year yeah, so after this weekend, we had a few matches set up for Wembley. Mm. Uh, we had um, Christian Michael Jacoby coming out and challenging Pete Dunne on behalf of Ilya Dragunov. Mm. We had Will Ospreay versus Jimmy Havoc. And we had Zack Sabre Jr. versus uh, seemingly Travis Banks. Mm. Well, 
One out of three ain't bad. <laughs> yeah, things were looking good at this point, really. I remember being very coming out of this weekend, being really high on the on Wembley, thinking, "Oh, this is they're really stacking this well with some really well built matches." If you add Eddie Dennis and Mark Andrews to that list, wow, what have we got here? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, they did set that up too. Yeah, it unfortunately would kind of uh, would fall apart in a, in a number of different ways. Yeah. Well, that would bring us to the Victoria Warehouse in Manchester. I believe you were at this show. Yeah, this was a show where they usually run the Ritz in Manchester, but they ran the Victoria Warehouse, which is a much bigger venue. Uh, I think a lot of people saw this as maybe being a, not a Northern Wembley show, but a big show. Uh, It wasn't really that, but it was definitely fun. Yeah, this this is where we can mark the beginning of the tag team Thunder Bastard series. Oh no! <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Venom, we're falling down the rabbit hole. Oh, we're gonna oh. have to go there, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, oh. this is where it started. So, do you want to try and explain it, or are we even gonna try? Let me. I'm pulling up my review of it now. I think I wrote it down. Um. Okay, so the titles, the tag team titles, were going to be defended in at Wembley in a mm. Thunder Bastard match. Yes, all the teams were announced for it. Yes, the Grizzled Young Vets, Aussie Open, Mills and Mayhew, CCK, uh, the Anti Fun Police, Mark Haskins and Flash Morgan Webster, and depending on who lost the Progress title match. The South Pacific Power Trip or Sexy Star. Mm. So, it was a round robin tournament to determine the order of the Wembley Thunder Bastard. I'm reading this off the page and I'm confused. <laughs> Each match had a 15 minute time limit, apparently. Oh. Teams who won got two points. Okay. Teams who lost didn't get any. And then the team with the most points in the Thunder Bastard entered last, and the least points entered first. And then uh, any match with the tag champs in it was for the titles. You follow <laughs> all that? Oh, it, it makes as much sense now as it did at the time. Why? Yeah, the, the tag belts being able to change was so just an unnecessary complication, and. Yeah, maybe, well, maybe maybe complicated isn't the word as well because okay, yeah, it's a point system. Everyone faces everybody allegedly. It's and, a table. Yeah, and it's a table, but it's all as you just said there to lead to the order in the Thunderbuster match. Has the order in the Thunderbuster match ever really <laughs> mattered? Is it worth going through months and months and months of matches just to settle who comes out fourth and who comes out fifth? If you did this leading up to the Thunder Bastard and the winner of that match got the title shot at Wembley, mm. that would work a little better. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the fact that two of the teams didn't make it through and one team got added. Mm. And then uh, the first team in the Thunder Bastard match was a team not even in the company. Mm. Yep. So, <laughs> There yeah. you go. For anyone's playing along at home, hope you're keeping up. Yeah, it was. I think the idea was, wasn't it? Uh, it gave some meaning to these meaningless tag matches that were happening throughout the summer. 
Um, but again, the end goal was kind of dubious and yeah, it all felt a, a little bit point. It almost felt like the progress bookers were, were challenging themselves to see if they could actually do it. Unlike, you know, Impact over TNA who've tried tournaments like this in the past with the Bound for Glory series and never quite pulled it off. Uh, this was progress's attempt, and yeah, it uh, it fell at a, a lot of the same hurdles that uh, that the Impact uh, slash TNA one did. Well, I think everybody had the same number of matches, so at least this last they got that. It's just whether, uh, yeah, the the problem you're always going to get is injuries and uh, people not being able to make it through, and then random teams getting added. That's where it, it kind of went wrong. Yeah, uh, we had Walter and David Starr. Mm. Yeah, Just really. As a, that one. as a card, this was a really strong card. It had a really strong first half, and that was a big reason why it, it did have a really strong first half. Uh, again, Walter and David Starr have got in incredible chemistry. Uh, maybe not the most memorable of the of their series of matches, but it, it hit all the right notes. And it, they, again, they 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 told the uh, the great story of uh, of Starr desperately trying to tell Walter, like trying to beat Walter, like only those two can. Yeah, great match. Uh, you had, well, it was, they built up Team Don't Explain versus British Strong Style, but Trent was hurt, I believe. Mm. So we just got, a, so we got a handicap match. Yeah. And it was four on two, but the two never looked like they were in trouble until they lost. Mm. And yeah. it's just like, uh Yeah. But, I mean, again, there's not much you can do about that. You know, having an injury yeah. coming in, but for me, I would have just gone with the straight tag. That was a bit of a shame. Yeah, or add somebody to the British Strong Style side. Like, mm. who's somebody they could get? Mm. There's no one that really Dan gets, Maloney. I suppose he's the fourth member of British Strong Style, according to <laughs> commentary. Yeah, I'm not sure other than that. I think I would have just left Jimmy Jimmy Havoc on the outside or something like that. Yeah. Uh, next, we had Progress World Title match. Uh, what month was this? May. So it was six months in the making, mm. I guess. Jack Sexsmith gets his title shot. He won in December, but Travis Banks wins when mm. the ref stops it. Um, I pulled up my review to to see just how much uh, Jack Sexsmith took. <laughs> He kicked out of four slices of heaven. Wow. Matt Riddle and Keith Lee didn't do that. <laughs> it felt like, I mean, going in, I was very low on Sexsmith having this match, and it was a bit of a, I was expecting a big Travis Banks title match for this big Manchester, big 2,000-seater card, and Jack Sexsmith wasn't really doing it for me. But I would yeah. say, uh. in the match he brought it, I, I did think that it was a, it was a good match, even if... I mean, it's probably harsh to say nobody bought that Sexsmith could win. Because, you know, in the in various moments in the match, they did a good job of giving him near falls, but they had everything going against them. The build, plus the placements. This is, this is not the main event of this show. And yeah, yeah. if Sexsmith had any chance in hell of, of, of pulling an upset out, it probably wasn't happening three from the top. Yeah, it... It felt very insistent upon itself that mm. Jack was a main eventer, mm. and um, it's not. Like yeah, we, I do we found like out Jack Sexsmith. Mm. I like him, and I think he's got a good, like, 
he there's a place for him on the card. Mm. It's just not world title status. No. Yeah. But he's even lost that place on the card, hasn't he? At this point, he's kind of crashed yeah. out of progress. He's cutting those cool heel promos on YouTube, but that's not even really with it with the with progress involvement. I'm not even sure that's going to lead to anything in progress. It doesn't feel like it. Uh, yeah, he's kind of on the outside looking in now. Um, again, not a not a success story from 2018. Uh, Jack Sexsmith in progress. Yeah, if if he is, he'll be he'll be in DNR in no time. <laughs> Uh, we crowned a new Atlas champion in Doug Williams. He beat Rampage Brown, Valhalla Rob Lynch. I get to say that again. <laughs> and uh, Joseph Connors, who really bulked up from his 205 Live appearance a couple days before. Mm, yeah. <laughs> that was poor timing. Yeah. It was... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Connor shouldn't have been in the match in the first place, so I haven't got a huge yeah. amount of sympathy for them. But yeah, a bit of a shame that he was presented as a cruiserweight on WWE TV right before. Uh, but yeah, it was... For, for Doug, it was a nice moment. Uh, as far as actual build to it, it, again, he'd gone through losing and losing and losing. Um, you know, Maybe it's in the eye of the beholder, whether you think that added to the story or took from it. I didn't love it. Um I don't think there were any other choices to go with other than Doug. I don't think I would have put the uh, the Atlas belt on anyone else in that match. Uh, certainly not Rob Lynch, um, Mr. Battle-tested, Mr. Battery-tested. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, the, the moment was nice, but it was just, a, again, slightly odd booking for me. Yeah. Um, and then we had the main event, which, hey, I was right. Ginny and Tony Storm could main event a, a progress show. Could they? Well, yeah, that, <laughs> here's the thing. Wasn't very good. No. Oh, I, for, I forgot I put the pictures I took with him in this review. <laughs> A sidebar, Ginny's very nice. I've heard that. Surprising yeah. character. Yeah, she's just really sweet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, now to talk about how bad this match was unfortunately yeah lots lots yep. of interference lots of visual pins and a roll-up win it was one of those kind of matches it felt very very overbooked and you can say the heart was in the right place putting the women in the main here but it it didn't really didn't really work unfortunately if anything as much as i wasn't into sex smith and travis banks it might have fit better as the main events just on based on the structure of their match as opposed to this one yeah like Progress doesn't want to let Ginny just wrestle. Mm. Like they've constantly got to have interference or shenanigans, or it's got to be no DQ or something. Like mm. I've seen her have good, like straight matches that are pretty good. You know, I'm about to talk about one with uh, Dakota Kai later on, but mm. Progress just won't let her have a regular match. Yeah, there's a very strong emphasis on character for it. It does feel like they're, they're not maybe as high on it um, as an in-ring wrestler. And to be honest, I'm not. I think Pretty Good's kind of the ceiling for Ginny. I've, I've not seen her have a better match than that. Um, I think she, she's she got main event poise and a main event character. But yeah, as we found out there with Tony Storm, I just don't think she's a, a main event act as far as actually in-ring goes. But can she get better if she's always doing... If they're always having her do this interference shtick. Mm, like, true. She doesn't have the room to get better because she's kind of 
slotted in this position where she's always got help. Mm, yeah, that's it. Maybe she'll be better in the WWE system. Uh, maybe a maybe. higher emphasis on character will be better for her. Um, I don't know. Maybe it would hide the limitations a little bit because, yeah, a bit of an, an underwhelming run for Ginny, I thought, uh, her last year in progress. All right. Well, that brought us back to the ballroom and back in time, I guess, because <laughs> this was the May 27th, 1978 show. This was... Uh, this wasn't it. This was in canon, but it wasn't because mm. you had the NPS semifinal. You had a tag team title match, but then everything else was just you know it was comedy stuff. Yeah, pick a lane. Really, it's like yeah, is it canon or is it non-canon? Because you got wrestlers dressing up, and some of it was fun. You know, Jimmy Havoc as Jizzy Jizzborn and Jack Sesmith as kind of this Adrian Street knockoff. Mm. Some of it did work. But it was like a big comedy bit that didn't really have the legs for three hours. And yeah, when you try and slot in, you know, serious stuff as well. Uh, yeah, I understood why they did it because they just followed up two big shows, and you probably did need a bit of a, a refresh. And it did seem like the people who went there live had a had a great time. But yeah, very much. Uh, if you were going to skip any shows from Progress from that year, this was one to skip. Yeah, not for me. Have you seen the main event as well? Just looking back at that, M Dog uh, and Adam no. Brooks. I how's that a main I event? <laughs> yeah, that is something. If you said to me that yeah, they made events at the Progress show last year, I wouldn't have believed you. That's or you would think it was one of the U.S. shows. Yeah, yeah. That, but that... even then, or maybe the Australia tour. Do you think they were expecting to do more with both of them? Do you think they thought maybe there was? I they were going to be both know. getting pushes, or yeah, really, really weird. They went. I think I believe they had a better match in PCW around this time. Um, yeah, maybe they thought they'd kill it uh, and be deserving of the main event. But it was, I remember it being a solid match. But yeah, not a huge amount to write home about, and just a yeah, a strange one to 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 go off on. Looking at where both of them are in progress now, which is really nowhere. Not in progress. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, this had a grizzled young vets Aussie Open title match. Mm. Like you could have used that down the line. Mm. Like. And why weren't there no fun police in this? <laughs> they are kind of a weird, uh, yeah, kind of missing act from this one. Uh, you would have expected yeah. them. But hey, you got Travis Banks pretending to be a bushwhacker, so, you know, uh, yeah. This Great. was also the uh, first time the South Pacific Power Trip reunited. Mm. As the shit They were very good in the role. They were very funny. I just probably wouldn't have done it with Travis Banks as champion. Um but again, that's, I mean, Travis, I... that's Travis Banks for you this year. That, that, that is him, summed up. He's He'll pull it off in the moment. He'll do what you ask him to do, but maybe you shouldn't be asking him to do it. Yeah. So we go on to Chapter 71, Feeling Called Progress. I remember the show because it was a real hassle to type this out uh, for the review. Because <laughs> it was all caps and periods in between them. <laughs> <laughs> There's a number one contenders match for the Atlas title. Try to get a little life in the division. Mm. Michael Dante beat Damian Corbin of the Kings of the North. Mm. Boy, <laughs> I'm surprised Dante didn't have mothballs on him. <laughs> yeah, he kind of he was so he he was a blast from the past for progress. Yeah, uh, they never really used him again after this, did they? Well, I mean, he won, and then he got his title shot, and then he... Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, I'd forgotten all Then he that. vanished. <laughs> yeah, man, they, I mean, I suppose they've, they've used 
Coven uh, in a tag team role, but yeah, odd. Um, again, a match that uh, you might not guess happened in a, in a progress ring in 2018. Yeah. Uh, you got the Natural Progression Series final. You have Mark Davis beating Danny Duggan. The right choice. Mm. Uh, then you had Jimmy Havoc starting his his downfall storyline where he had death matches. He had his first one with Spike Trevay, and Spike beat him. Mm. I All I remember is Spike pulling out a canvas and painting it with Jimmy's blood. That was <laughs> a real good spot. Yeah. That was I don't fun. remember much else, though. I remember there being some very, very stiff chair shots in this one as well. Oh, yeah. Um, Spike did that to win, I think. Yeah. But a bit odd as well that Jimmy Havoc, again, not to, to go on about his weird stable, but heel for most of the year and then suddenly he's a baby face again uh but he's still in the heel stable uh odd yeah it's as weird as mark haskins being a face mm. with vicky haskins who's clearly a heel yeah yeah i mean i get it but like she's a heel <laughs> yeah the 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 face heel dichotomy in that group has has not made sense all year yeah the aesthetic is is off. <laughs> I mean, I don't want her to go though. Oh, she's very good at what she does. Yes. Um, yeah, you had Jack Sexsmith and Walter beating the South Pacific Power Trip. Mm. Um, Walter pinned TK to get a title shot. Now the steps were if the Power Trip won, Walter or Sexsmith wouldn't get a title shot. And I was confused because I thought Walter gave up the Atlas title to get a title shot. But um, I think John tweeted at me to to clear it up. And I thought I thought he was giving out at me, but he was just clearing that up. <laughs> it was complex because the other thing was that didn't TK get an Atlas title shot if he if if he got a pinfall in the match? Uh, I think he kind of just talked himself into it, and yeah. Progress is just like, okay, shut up. Yeah, you're not winning anyway. Yeah, yeah. I thought Walter and Sexsmith had chemistry as a team. Surprisingly, I like Sexsmith. You know, make being like the uh, sacrificing himself to to let Walter get the pin and and go forth to get his uh, his big rematch with uh, with Travis Banks. But yeah. Uh, a solid match, if not hugely memorable, other than for the, the really strange, complex steps. Yeah. Uh, and then you had your main event. It was supposed to be Ginny versus uh, Nixon Newell, but Nixon Newell tweaked her knee, mm. so he couldn't do it. Uh, if only that was it for her. <laughs> God. Yeah. It's sad. She's had a, yeah, a tough year, hasn't she? Rough go of it. Yeah. Well, rough two years, actually. Mm, yeah, very true. Uh, yeah, and Dakota Kai got put in a in a position as well, having to having to main event against Ginny. Um, it sounds like from what you said before, you're going to be higher than me on this one. I thought this was a very mid card feeling match, to be honest. I don't think it it really belonged in the main event again. Um, maybe that's my bias against Ginny, but were you any higher on it? I mean, I'd agree that I if you were replacing like because if it was Nick, if it was Nick, then I could see a main event because eh? mm. everybody loves Nick. Oh, of but... course, yeah. I can see it like not being a main event like match because Dakota Kai never wrestled for progress mm. like regularly. Yeah, or in the UK but really. I, but I think it was a, 
I think it was a really good match. Like it was the best of Ginny's title run, I think. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, that's not saying too much. Yeah, I was going to say, that's damn praise. Uh, I still thought it was good. <laughs> hey, at least we got Maybe. to uh, to end the show with Cella V. So, you know, it, it, yeah. it, it was there for a good reason. Yeah. So on to the next show. Got, got, need. Got, got, need. I always want to say need twice, too. <laughs> um, Boy. Okay, here we go. We had Will Ospreay and Jordan Devlin on the show. Yes, we did. That one was really good. Yeah. Yeah, they kind of, again, Devlin turned his, his fortune round in progress this year. I know OTT were building to this match and, you know, progress got in there and did it. Yeah, kind of uh, just sniped it for no reason. <laughs> but if you're going to do that and, yeah, you're going to deliver a, a big Will Ospreay match, um, then, yeah, this was as good as any that you're going to see. Just one, one kind of a under-the-radar match of the year contender, this one. I think people kind of forgot about it by the time it came to the end of the year, but some of the exchanges in this one, they were just absolutely first-class. Um, just the, one of those dynamic, modern matches, one of those Osprey ballroom sprints uh, that you know he's got in his locker, um, and it was yeah. a great way for him to return to the ring in progress, I thought. Yeah, and he was playing a heel in this match, and he was great, like... I think he did a Sasuke special, and mm. when he hit the floor, he like got on top of people and did like a Jeff Jarrett strut. Oh god, yeah, <laughs> he was so good. Throwing in the Jimmy Havoc spots as well throughout the match. Yeah, uh, just little uh, little teasers there of, of what was coming. He's, he's very good at playing that subtle heel, isn't he, Osprey? He's good at tapping into his uh, his inner dick. Yeah, and then this saw uh, Paul Robinson start his role in the story because Osprey was beating up trainees after and Robinson ran them off. Mm, yeah. I like that. And I, again, I'm, I'm someone who's made up the Paul Robinson's back in progress. So yeah, this was me uh, too. The start of a very good thing for me. Yeah. So, uh, we got a British strong style six man. Mm. It was against, uh, an odd pairing of, uh, the besties in the world and Josh Alexander, mm. Team AAW from a couple <laughs> years ago. Yeah. It was kind of there to set up the a CMJ angle afterwards, wasn't it? And kind of there to yeah. just... I think we found that in 2018, you know, with this... It's like the super strong style problem um, where you put Pete Dunne in something meaningful and then you have to back your way out. So really, I think yeah. Progress found their, found their year uh, with booking Pete Dunne being made up of... of putting together matches like this where you can have him do something fun on the cards but nothing too taxing and nothing that's going to get you into trouble as far as finishes go um yeah it was your typical wasn't it good Co- partly comedy partly super indie moves match that you you kind of get with british strong style and uh, and in part with the besties yeah uh this is my first time seeing the besties and now i have that savage garden song on my spotify <laughs> there you go um Chuck Mambo, Progress World Title Challenger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I'll be honest, I didn't see this one. Mm. The only match I saw on this show was Devlin Osprey. Well, Devlin Osprey and the Sixth Man. Yeah, you didn't miss a huge amount with this one. Um they did some good yeah. stuff with TK Cooper, kind of not wanting to hit Mambo. You know, paying off their 
the fact that you ETM. Yeah, but I mean, that's never really been part of progress and it's not really been referenced since. So that was a bit of a shame. But yeah, it was another one of those matches where it was a fun Travis Banks match, but nobody really bought Chuck Mambo. Yeah. Uh, And then you had the Natural Progression Series final. Mm. Mark Davis beat Chris Ridgway. The right decision. Well, I mean, we're here in January 2019, and Ridgeway's getting a title shot first. <laughs> so, yeah. look, maybe a little confusing, but... I would have went straight uh, to that Walter rematch we talked about earlier. I would have yeah. done that already. Uh, so, yeah, for me, it's the right decision to put Davis over, because I, I think with Ridgeway, someone who, for me, maybe the novelty can wear off with him a little bit. I think he's got a little bit of a... I know he's everyone's great hope as an unsigned wrestler, but I like him. I don't love him. Davis, though, I think, yeah, there was more of an, an upside with him, at least a more immediate upside, because you could put him back in there with Walter. You could give him an Atlas title shot. Um, but it turned out they've just done none of the above. Well, yeah, I mean, he was tied up with the Thunder Bastard Tag Team Series, and then he was tied up with the Tag Team titles. Mm. So, that Let's was that. We would have... Yeah. Let's hope. We got uh, Chapter 73, Fourth Shade of Green. I didn't watch this show. Uh, I was very busy during the summer, so I didn't see this one. Yeah. TK Cooper beat Rob Lynch. <laughs> to get himself an Atlas title match. Uh, yeah, that's, I think that was taking the joke too far uh <laughs> tk cooper and again says a lot about tk cooper's 2018 you did miss a huge amount from this show though yeah tyler bait and travis banks was good but you know had the count out finish because i think they were yeah trying to keep tyler strong because uh, they were eventually going to move tyler back into the title picture and yeah drew parker and jimmy havoc was uh very similar to the spike trevay match and another one of those you know jimmy havoc has lost it matches but really once you've seen one of them you, you've kind of seen them all yeah when I heard this was the main event, I wasn't exactly running to my computer, but <laughs> yeah. Nothing else to say? None about Tony Storm and Killer Kelly or anything? No, nothing really stands out with that. The British Strong Style Kings of the North six man was another uh, sorry tag match. Uh, it was done in seven, wasn't it? Against the, just the Bonesaw yeah. and Damian Corvin. That was another strong uh, tag. I, I do like the uh, when Pete Dunn and uh, and Trent team up. Um, but yeah, not a hugely notable card, to be honest. The OG uh, British Strong Style. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we had uh, Progress Chapter 74. This was moved to a Wednesday, I think, for, for NXT UK or something. I don't remember. It was moved. Yeah, I think that was the case. I think uh, Non-progress commitments, let's go with that. Yeah. Uh so so it ended up happening on my birthday, July twenty fifth. <laughs> Send your gifts. Um Yeah, we had we had Ginny versus Millie McKenzie for the Progress Women's title on the show. That whoa boy. That sucked. Yeah, there was a lot of Millie getting outnumbered, wasn't there? Was it Candy Floss who made the save for her eventually? Well, no, Candy Floss was out there, and she just didn't do anything. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was your story match, wasn't it? Um, yeah, and it, like it, they only gave him six minutes, and oh, God, <laughs> just bad. 
Uh, yeah, Doug Williams eating TK Cooper for the Atlas title in a clash of styles, we'll say. Yeah, a match that didn't really need to happen. Um, not the best way to to, to kick off Doug's uh, Atlas title run. Yeah, and then really the only reason to check this show out is the main event. It was for the world title. It was a no count out match. Walter beat Travis Banks and won the title. That was great. I think yeah. Travis Banks' run, as we've documented several times over this podcast, it was done. He, he needed to move on. We needed to get the belt on Walter. Uh, again, didn't love uh, him just dropping the Atlas belt, but yeah, this this was probably the time to do it as well. Uh, on a Wednesday, uh, on a show where maybe people might not have expected, I think a lot of people went in expecting more, more Travis Banks bullshit, but yeah, they, they really delivered uh, a big feeling match. They did. They kind of they played on the on the on the tricks of of Travis Banks as well, didn't they? With lots of, I think he, he kicked out at one, didn't he? Was it was it a Walter Powerbomb yeah. that he kicked out of? Uh, I thought I that was so. really smart to do that, but uh, you know, leading right into the finish, and yeah, it, it had. You know, it, it's a bit weird having a progress show on a Wednesday, but it had one of the louder reactions I think we heard from the ballroom this year when, when Walter won it. It was it was complimented by a Glenn scream, which we definitely didn't need. Uh, <laughs> but all in all, yeah, it was kind of... It, it was a long time coming. It was the right thing to do. And I think uh, Travis Banks was, was great in his role of finally giving the belt up, and Walter was, yeah, the perfect man to beat him. Yeah, and they were right to expect shenanigans because as soon as I saw no count-out match, I figured, <laughs> oh, he's getting DQ'd. Yeah. And they it. played off that, but they didn't. Uh, actually, Tyler Bate came in to stop TK Cooper from uh, from doing anything. So That's right, yeah, built we actually got a little... A little backdoor build to the Wembley main event. There you go. Yeah, just keeping keeping Tyler involved. Um, and yeah, yeah, there was a lot of TK stuff in this match as well, wasn't there? Running interference and trying to get involved too. Uh, so yeah. yeah, some good uh, subtle storytelling there. Yeah. So we had then that led to the coast to coast tour, where Progress did six shows around the U.S. As I stall to pull up my roundup of it. Yeah, I think for me, I this was this is where I mean the, the problem was that these shows were very slow to come out on VOD. It was at the the height of uh, both the Thunder Bastard tag series and the three and in series, which is uh, something we should probably get yeah, into. Yeah, we'll we'll get into that as soon as I can find this. Yeah. But I think the problem oh. was that that a lot of the, the a lot of this stuff came out when it was too late when. Who won those matches didn't really matter anymore. Um, right. I really there only, was only the LAX and CCK match was the. I think that was the only thing I ended up watching out of this entire tour. Yeah, so here we go. I found it. So what happened was Zack Saber Jr. had to pull out of Wembley because there was a New Japan show the same day. Mm. I don't remember what he did. I think he was in a six man, but I think it was building up to an evil match. Mm. Or the match with evil, not in... I don't know what an evil match is. I think, I think it was the weekend of uh, SSE UK, uh, US, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's what I was talking about. He, yeah. I think he was in a six-man. Right. Or six-man tag. Um, so, yeah, they did another tournament. Uh, the three and in series. Uh, if you've ever watched Shakara, it's the same as how they get title shots there. You win three matches in a row. 
urine. And it sucked because, like, they didn't have any time to build anything. Mm. So the Wembley main event was essentially pick a guy. <laughs> and they knew yeah. the guy they wanted, didn't they? Uh, it was just whether yeah. they could do the maths worked out to, to do a tournament. I, I don't hate the idea. I mean, I like it. In, I think in Chicago it works. Uh, at least it has historically. It's not the worst yeah. thing to do. It's just like I said before, it's the fact that we weren't able to see any of these matches until you know a little while after. Uh, and the drama was kind of gone at that point. Yeah, uh, you had guys like Brody King and Elliot Sexton and Ricky Shane Page in there, and it's just like, come on, guys. <laughs> You're not main event in Wembley with Brody King. Yeah, I don't care how much you like him. <laughs> they just made up the numbers, those guys, didn't they? It's like, oh, yeah, we, could, we got at least three matches with them. So, yeah, they, they, fit, the, they fit the tournaments. Uh, it felt a little bit like they were being a bit over-creative, but... The backs were, you know, were against the wall, um, and they did need to come up with something to get back to Tyler Bates. So, you know, uh, I applaud the effort, even if it didn't work out in real life. Yeah, they got the main event they wanted because I think Tyler was going to win Super Strong style, mm. but they just had, uh, they just had a time getting there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there were more tag team champions on this show on uh, this tour than there were shows on the tour. <laughs> All right, so here we go. Grizzled Young Veterans, mm. they lost the titles to CCK, Brooks, and Lycos. Lycos broke his collarbone in Boston the next day. So Chris Brooks had Jonathan Gresham take his place, mm. the OG of CCK, <laughs> as, as we were informed. <laughs> Uh, so they had a great match against LAX in New York. I watched that one. That, yeah, that was a lot of fun. They also had a good one in uh, Seattle, too. Uh, no, not Seattle. Boston. Because mm. um, Lycos was doing the Cooper match. They had a match with um, British Strong Style. Mm. I would I would check that one out. Uh, on uh, night two in Boston, mm. really good stuff. Pete Dunn and Jonathan Gresham. Oh, man, I want to see that match. I don't know if I will, but I want <laughs> to. All right, so anyway, back to the titles. So Brooks and Gresham defend the titles, but Gresham gets hurt in Seattle. So AR Fox takes uh, Gresham's place? Yeah. I'm losing track. <laughs> okay, Brooks to Lycos. Then Brooks and Gresham, then Brooks and AR Fox, but they lost the titles to B- Bandito and Flamita, <laughs> who were not in the Thunder Bastard Tag League. And then they beat the Grizzled Young Vets to end the tour. So, in the end, you had eight men as tag team champion on this six show tour. <laughs> Makes sense to me. So, I don't know what everyone was complaining about. Oh, boy. Uh, but, yeah, I'm looking through the cards. Jimmy Havoc beat Ricky Shane Page in a hardcore match. Uh, Matt Riddle and Tyler Bate had a good match on that Boston show, too. Mm. Uh, 
Yeah, looking through. Don't really see much else to check out. Mm. Yeah, maybe that... the Bandito. Maybe if you want to see Bandito and Flamita, you can check those out. Yeah, I heard good things about the, about them. I heard obviously CCK and LX got the got a lot of the buzz. I'm worth Wild Buzz yeah. as well. We're checking out. The only problem with watching those shows back is the other thing that put me off is you got to sit through uh, Glenn Joseph and Dahlia Black's commentary, which is just yeah. I mean, Glenn Joseph's not great, but Dahlia Black's like a ten times worse version with all of his the same shouty, overly nickname kind of just overdone tropes uh, that Glenn Joseph does. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> kind of. I, I think. I think. There's a lot of screaming in Glenn Joseph's commentary, and there's a lot of kind of when they're together. I think they encourage each other's worst habits because you get a lot yeah. of banter, quote unquote, and you get a lot of yeah, just in jokes and a lot of yeah, just yeah. They're basically sitting there a lot of a flirting. Yeah, there is that too. Uh, yeah, I was trying to dance around it, but yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah and there's just uh, it, it's like they're sitting sitting on the couch watching matches and and having a right all laugh but it's uh it's definitely hard on the ears i tell you what man vic joseph better look out glenn is angling for that nxt uk announce role yeah he's got a, he's picked up a lot of the uh the michael coleisms hasn't he with the uh with the nicknames and uh some of the, the yeah. style of his commentary and for me it's not been for the better i mean i don't watch too much nxt uk so I'd be fine with it if we got uh, Callum Leslie back on the call. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Callum Leslie was one of their stronger commentators who who, who left this year. I do like Matt Richards. I am friends with yeah. Matt Richards, so I am biased, but I do think he's solid. But him, him and Callum he's Leslie were, were my favorite team, so it's a bit of a, a shame that Callum's the one that got uh, squeezed out. But yeah, there might be there might be other reasons for that that we can't go into here. Yeah. So that led. That led to chapter 75. These violent delights have violent ends. Uh, I don't want to get into worst match of the year talk again. <laughs> but there was a scramble on this show. Okay. It was supposed to be an eight-woman tag. Mm. Team Tony Storm versus Team Ginny, or the House of Couture. Tony Storm got hurt, and... Someone else, I think, got hurt. So, basically what they did was, they didn't know if Tony would be back for Wembley. So mm-hmm. they made a, they took all the people, put them in a scramble match. It was Laura DiMatteo, Charlie Morgan, Shakara, Candy Floss, and Millie McKenzie. Boy, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. A mess That's of a being match. kind to it. I can see the thinking. I oh, will just do a five way, but I mean that that storyline was already a mess, and, and it didn't help. And then the work in the ring didn't help either. Uh, yeah, definitely a high contender for one of the worst matches of the year. Yeah, but then you had two matches that were not that won't be on those lists. Mm. Uh, it was the finals of the three and in series, I guess. If there's a final for it, um, Tyler Bate beat Mark Haskins. Mm. Uh, this was good. Yeah, you know, we got we got to where we needed to be. Uh, yeah, I wasn't buying and Mark we Haskins, got, but yeah, yeah, and we got a good match out of it too. So, mm. hey, there you go. 
And then we had, okay, so two out of three falls, no DQ match. Mm. Paul Robinson's the guest referee. Mm. And if Jimmy Havoc wins, he's also added to Wembley because he's at two in the three and M. Mm. I think I got all that. But yeah, it was Will Ospreay, Jimmy Havoc, two out of three falls, the big blow off to the story. How'd you feel about it? Yeah, it was a match I've seen people go really high on. And I think the people in the in the ballroom absolutely love this thing. I think I heard talk of, of a match of the year from people who were there live and it felt like they were reacting to, to the big spots when they happened. You know, the big, was there a, like a Canadian Destroyer, that DDT version through a table that they did, Essex Destroyer. There were lots of big spots that got big reactions, but between the spots, it didn't feel as loud in the ballroom as I expected for the the fifth in the series with Osprey and Havoc. And just something about, again, I don't want to do down the, I don't know, the, the sacrifice that the wrestlers went through and the, the crazy bumps that they did and the, the big spots that they did, because some of them were, and a lot of them were genuinely impressive, and there was lots, lots to like about it, but yeah, there's a... As a through line, as a and as a story, as a match, uh, didn't it? Didn't feel like what? What ha- I know, it felt a bit greatest hits. It didn't. And again, you know, we're years after the the, the pomp of of Havoc and Osprey, so maybe that's that should be expected. But and maybe the commentary, you know, as much as I talked Callum Leslie up before, he was every time there was a reference in this match, he was pointing it out, and that to me made it feel a little bit more greatest hits. Uh, maybe that's what people wanted out of it, but yeah, and I just felt like the maybe the hate wasn't there. It, it just felt a a little bit plodding for me. Um, I don't know. Were you any higher on it? This is weird because it's not on my match of the year list. But I gave it five. Wow. There you go. You're the people I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I can see where, like, it wouldn't hit for some people. I can see, like, stuff that they were going for that wouldn't hit. Mm. But all that stuff hit for me. Mm. And it's like, this feud's special to me because I, the first progress show I watched was Chapter 20, Mm. the Osprey Havoc title change. Mm. And, yeah, it's just all the callbacks worked for me. It it really, I can't even put it into words. I just really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the turn with Robinson, too, which I thought was clever. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't, I didn't love it, but I thought it was clever. Like, I thought it could wait till after. Yeah. But. That's got, maybe that's why I'm a little bit more negative because I, I felt like we missed a step as well. It felt like obviously this is the the go home to Wembley, so there probably would have been a big yeah. angle here. But this match, yeah, it felt a little bit. I know it's the fifth match and it's years in the making, but it almost felt soon for this incarnation of the rivalry. I might have, yeah. I might have preferred them not to do this here, do another angle, get to Robinson and Havoc a different way at Wembley, and then pay off Osprey and Havoc later. It felt maybe that's maybe that's what goes against it for me as well. It taking places the lead in to Robinson Havoc rather than afterwards. I know that's not their fault. I know Osprey got pulled because of the same reason as Zack Saber from Wembley. Uh, but yeah. maybe that goes against it for me as well. Maybe the placement of it. Uh, maybe wasn't quite ready for it myself. Yeah. 
Uh, it's it's a mileage match. It, mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to rewatch it. I don't think I've uh, rated it on Grapple, so yeah, maybe this is one to to go back and rewatch because yeah, I think even now struggle yeah. to say exactly what stars I, w- I would even give it. Yeah, I just remember I watched it. I was done with it, mm-hmm. and afterwards I just went, "Yeah, that's that's five. <laughs> I didn't have the fear. Wow, I wasn't a coward. <laughs> I've been there." All right, so that that leads us in to Hello Wembley. Mm. Uh, attendance, what? Uh, cage match that's forty-seven fifty. Mm, that's right. Yeah, uh, show happened on September thirtieth. The show was watched by me on January twenty-fourth. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. What happened I, there? All right, I was busy with school, and I think the website was down. Mm. So there wasn't much of a rush for me to review it. And then, I don't know. I just never got to it. (laughs) I guess the next show just came, and then I was off on that. (laughs) Like, I watched the main event. Like, I watched the main event when it went up free. Mm. Um, You were here, right? Yeah, but I wasn't there for the main event. I was one of the many people who had to, because the show ran late. It, yeah. It's an England thing. Our trains only run on a Sunday until about 9 p.m. and I live the other end of the country. So usually progress yeah. are very good about that and you can trust them and you can you can go on a day trip and head back home. But yeah, they did run late here. So yeah, I watched it. I watched it on YouTube uh, like yourself. Yeah. They're picking that up from WWE too, huh? <laughs> yeah. They don't do it very often. I'll give them that. And it was a nice make yeah. to put it on YouTube. But yeah, there were a lot of... Uh, Grumpy Northerners like me leading. Um, where did you rate it this match? I mean, I did you have it up there? Uh, it was it was coming around the time of the fantastic Devlin match that Walter had, and this to me was very similar. Uh, I know people who were there live who liked it better than the Devlin match, or at least on that same level. I thought it was. I didn't. I thought it was very similar to the Devlin match. I think maybe it was a, a little bit. You know, Walter going to his, his spots that work, but doing a lot of the same. Stuff that he, that he did in the Devil and Match. I really liked it. Um, maybe I'm the high man in this one as opposed to you. I liked it too. I went four and a quarter on it. Mm. So I obviously thought it was good. I don't think... Like there were things like... There are things about Devlin and Walter. Like the atmosphere and just the build up to it mm. as well. Yeah, this didn't have that. Took take that one over the top. And like it's not progress's fault. Like several things fell through to get to the main event they wanted anyway. Mm. Like if Tyler Bate doesn't tweak his shoulder super strong style weekend, we're having a different conversation here. So I'm not downplaying progress on that, but that lack of build mm. does take away from it. And the lack of atmosphere too, because it's like you had Devlin and OTT, which if you haven't seen it, what are you doing? <laughs> Devlin Walter, it's on Jordan Devlin versus Walter. It's on. It's free on YouTube. Mm. Go watch it. And it's just like he's like this defending Irish hero in front of his people, mm. and he gets taken down by the invader Walter, and it's just like, man. Like, that was on another level mm. as far as, like, 
just presentation goes as well because the video packages too oh yeah miles apart you have one of the best video packages i've ever seen with devlin and walter and you've got Tyler Bate in his back garden. Yeah, I was about to say, this is the... <laughs> I mean, we can say it's not progress's fault that the, the, the build for this was a little bit lackluster, but those, yeah, those videos of him cutting big, strong boy promos, they didn't do a lot for me. Not the best way of doing it, uh, and building it. And Tyler's not the strongest talker either, so yeah, the, the yeah. big, strong boy stuff doesn't, uh, doesn't hugely work for me uh, as much as people enjoy it as a meme. Uh, yeah, he did the right thing by not putting him over though I think they would have been tempted right. to have him beat Walter here for this big show so I think they got that element of it very much right yes I agree they didn't they didn't fall for it they didn't like fall in that trap because it's easy to have like your big show with mm. the big ma- the main event world title change but mm-hmm. they didn't need to Walter just got it and mm. he like I don't think would it have hurt him if he lost it um, I don't think it'd so much well, hurt him, but it probably wouldn't have made much sense because I don't think Tyler could is at that point right now where you could have him carry progress. Obviously, uh, he's plus he's not anyway. in progress anymore. Yeah, so they probably knew that was coming. They could have been tempted yeah. to give him a mini run, uh, but I don't think it would have been the right thing to do either way. Yeah. Uh, but to go through the rest of the show, we had uh, Eddie Dennis and Mark uh, Mark Andrews their TLC match. Well. Their LC match. Yeah, it was a three-way the match. Tables the tables didn't feel like. Yeah, <laughs> they did not feel like cooperating today. No, that was that was a tough one to watch live. This was my main event live again because I had to leave and. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I was. I mean, again, the build went very, very long, but I think they did the right thing considering Eddie Dennis's injuries and not. You know, they could have done this a little bit earlier, but I think it was the right thing to do. Well, they they waited long enough. Let's do it at Wembley. I think they got that right. I think I would have done this too. I loved everything about right. the build. Uh, but yeah, the, unfortunately, the uh, the furniture didn't co- cooperate with the two of them. And I was yeah disappointed in the building and also disappointed that they didn't get a chance to put this right. I I don't know about you, but I would have gone to a rematch um, and let them do just a straight brawl. Because really, that's what this match called for. It didn't. It wasn't a yeah. feud that needed tables, ladders, and chairs. It was a feud that needed. It was a blood feud, um, and I don't know if TLC as violent as it can be screams blood feud for me. So, yeah, they, they, they probably yeah. should have gone a different step. And uh, to be honest, I, I probably would have been tempted to rematch this and give them the blow off that they deserved. Right. I. I might. I don't know because you had the death match with Havoc and Robinson earlier, and it's. I guess they felt the need like they had to do something different than that. Mm. But this was more of a, not death match, but just like a brawl, like you were saying. Mm. Like yeah. TLC was the wrong step to have yeah. at this point. Like I could see you rematching and doing TLC or something, but mm. not for the first one. No. And they couldn't have known about the table, so you know can't blame them too much. Just... Well, I mean, <laughs> saying that there is they, a, there, there a was that, that the uh, there was that uh, London riots SDS TLC match. Yeah, I was live at that one. That was uh, nice. oh, boy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. They don't have luck with we, that stuff. They got to get some doors, man. They got doors for Jimmy and Paul. Ah, true. Yeah, there you go. Invest in doors. <laughs> Joey Janela got it right. There you go. It's the new tables. Uh, yeah, and again, you know, they took some 
big bumps in here as well. You know, Eddie hitting the, the the next stop driver off the off the top of the ladder, eventually breaking a table to a huge pop. But at that point, I think the damage was done because, to be honest, yeah. I was sat there and large pockets of the crowd were just interested in t- chanting about the tables at that point and no one was really as invested in this blood feud as they really rightfully should have been. They weren't popping for the move. They were popping because the table broke. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Uh, well, we're going backwards anyway. Uh, <laughs> Pete Dunn, Ilya Dragunov. Really Very good. good. Really good, yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, Ilya wasn't as over as maybe you could have hoped for. I think we got some false hope with that from him being in, in Camden in the in the ballroom. He got some decent reactions. Uh, again, I think if, if you've got a couple of hundred people in a 600-people venue who are cheering loud for this wrestler they recognize from WXW in Germany, everyone else will follow along. But if you're in a building with almost 5,000 people and those same 200 people are trying to get the chance going, it doesn't work quite as well. So he was a little bit yeah. drowned out by Pete Dunne in this match. Uh, but still, still, I mean, that's the negative on it. But as far as the actual work went in the ring, it was a really strong match. How did you feel about the build? Because Ilya didn't, this was his progress debut. He didn't wrestle mm. up until then. And they had been building it to super strong style. Mm. Would you have had Ilya do a match or two? Like, nothing competitive, just stuff to get him over? Um, I think that's one way you could have done it. Uh, I like the yeah. CMJ stuff. I like the budget Paul Heyman. Yeah, I did uh, too. Act that they went with, uh, but yeah, I think that could have helped as well. Though, if the if the fans would have been a bit more familiar with what he does in ring, apart from just knowing that this guy's a big deal uh, who wrestles in Germany and therefore we're supposed to cheer for him. But uh, the other thing, though, I mean that this it did feel like this Wembley crowd wasn't your typical progress crowd. The the the, yeah. the hardcore progress fans were, were leading the chance, but there were a lot of more, more casual people there who probably still wouldn't have known him. So, yeah, a little bit unfortunate for him. Not that, again, it, they didn't deliver as an actual match, just it didn't maybe get the reaction that it deserved. Yeah, they saw the banner outside of Wembley and figured, hey, let's go see some wrestling. <laughs> yeah, a yeah. little bit of that. Yeah, I I was kind of the same way as the crowd because I had only seen one Ilya match before. Mm. Um, It was in my failed attempt to marathon WXW. Mm. Um, I watched two matches of, I think, the 2016 Carrot, the one he won. Mm. Uh, I watched him beat, I think, Avalanche in the first round. Mm. And then I saw a Donovan Dijak match, and then I just never went back to WSW now. <laughs> oh, no. This would have been 2017. I would say you've got to see him and Walter, and you've got to see him, yeah. Walter, and Bad Bones. That's, if, you, if you want to be introduced to I, Ilya properly, that they're the matches to see. I've seen Ilya come out for that um, triple threat. Mm. And, yeah, madness. Yeah, I've never heard a lot Absolute of the reaction. Absolute madness. But yeah, to finish off the card, we had uh, Aussie Open win the Thunder Bastard match. Mm. I don't remember the order, and I don't care. <laughs> yeah, let's not get into that. But a nice moment for, for them. I thought that was... And a match that yeah. delivered as well. I think that there was good comedy in there from having the anti-fun police in there. I thought the thought Flamita and Bandido delivered, you know, as far as flying goes, gave the, the match a different dynamic. Yeah, the, the, the build was terrible, and the Thunder Bastard series was a confusing mess, but on the night, I did think uh, the teams delivered, and it was 
although it ran a little bit long, uh, it was definitely a highlight of the night for me there live. Yeah. Um, so Chris Brooks had a different partner again. It was Tim <laughs> Thatcher. Yep. Um, Flash. Oh yeah, Flash Morgan Webster turned heel, and uh, <laughs> and Mike Hitchman's in progress now, <laughs> and he's Wild in the Thunderbusted series. So yeah, the one nine eight. <laughs> Why are they called that? I don't know. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. It, in the end, it came down to Aussie Open and the grizzled young vets. Mm. I'd have just done that anyway. <laughs> yeah. Like do the do the whole lead up, but get to Aussie Open and the vets two <laughs> on two. Yeah. Maybe don't waste it at the time travel show. Yeah, it was very much the get everybody on the card kind of match, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. But again, I, I would say the wrestlers delivered. I didn't think it was fun. Yeah. Uh, you had the death match: Jimmy Havoc beating Paul Robinson. Um, how'd you feel about this one? I thought it was good. I, 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 I think there's been a lot. You know, we've talked about a couple already. A lot of these types of matches in progress in 2018, and your mileage might vary on uh, how much of that you, you're willing to pour up with. Uh, but as far as that style goes, I thought it was a, a solid death match. Uh, uh, to be honest, I was probably just mainly excited to get to see Paul Robinson live, uh, shouting yeah. abuse at people in the front row and being the, the heel only. Only he seems to know how to be in, in progress. Uh, but yeah, as far as death match style matches and no DQ match, I thought it, it was uh, it was good. Yeah, uh, my thing with death matches is I don't like death matches that kind of just are. Like, I need a story for it because, like, if you guys are just beating each other up for no reason, like, mm. and, like, using barbed wire and tacks or whatever, like, what's the point, really? Like, mm. why? Like, <laughs> I see, I see it as more of, like, I hate you so much, I'm willing to go to these lengths as opposed to, no, here's some weapons. I might as well use them. Yeah, your turn, my turn. It's your turn to take this bump now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's why I, I like this one a lot more than the ones we had over the summer. Mm. And Robinson's back at the end of this was, it looked like he got chopped up by, uh, by Jason. <laughs> Just yeah. took the... Machete right to the back. Yeah, but it wasn't Jason. It was an all-white painted Jimmy Havoc. Uh, yeah, which was a look. It it will haunt me. <laughs> um, yeah, Trent Seven beat Doug Williams, mm. and that was it for Doug. Right thing to do. Give Doug his nice send off. Trent's been a solid Atlas champion since. Yeah, fair enough, and a a nice yeah. big moment for the show. Even if. I suppose the negative is that Doug didn't really have a huge connection to progress until this this point, but where else? I mean, maybe you could have told the story in a RevPro or something, but they didn't, and progress did. So, yeah, a nice way for, for Doug to go into semi-retirement. Yeah, Ginny beat Millie McKenzie and Tony Storm. This is where Jordan Grace debuted and where the House of Couture broke up, apparently. <laughs> Allegedly. I couldn't have told you that being there live, but apparently that happened. Yeah, and then Mark Haskins beat Matt Riddle. Mm. Matt Riddle's um, last show. Yeah, uh, bit nondescript really for Matt Riddle's uh, goodbye, but you know, a nice little match. And I know that the two of them are good friends, so I'm sure they they enjoyed the moment. Yeah. All right, so uh, chapter seventy-seven, Pumpkin Spice Progress. 
Uh, we had a three-way match for the tag team titles as Aussie Open beat the Grizzled Young Vets and the 198. This was all right. Uh, you had a three-way match for the Progress World title as Mark Haskins beat Chris Brooks and Jimmy Havoc. Mm. And then you had the world title match, the what feels like the real start of Walter's run. Because he beat Zack Sabre Jr. here in an epic. <laughs> yeah, this was the... I enjoyed the match uh, in the US, but this was the the proper Zack Sabre and Walter match, wasn't it? Uh, right. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, one of my bad memories of this, though, is that he came out to his idol song live in the building, but on the yeah. on the VOD, we were back to the dub music, and he came out to highlights of, uh, of Super Strong <laughs> Style. Uh, yeah. I just played it on my phone. <laughs> That's the way to do it, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, you could, nothing against the work in the ring. This was fantastic. This was the supposed Wembley main event, and I thought it was almost as good as the Tyler match if not if not as good um yeah just uh the, the two of them just they've got incredible chemistry again Walter's power versus Zack Sabre's techniques always going to be great and his and his limb work and the selling in this one was really strong as well um Walter Walter you don't see him selling a lot but he he, he yeah. sold for, for Zack Sabre's uh offense and for his submissions and and Zack Sabre was great again at being that somewhat of a chicken shit trying to pick his moments with Walter uh absolutely loved it and Zack Sabre went out fighting on this one uh even if again it maybe it was a match where if I was there live I might not have bought a Zack Sabre win uh this was kind of pretty much his, his ex- exit from progress uh but still incredible and yeah top level top level main event yeah great stuff check it out if you haven't uh on to chapter 78 24 hour progress people the return to manchester it had been a while hadn't it mm. yeah i was live at this one this is for me yeah my highlight of the year as far as going to progress shows or just progress shows in general. Wembley was great. Uh, we just uh, ticked off a, a couple of the reasons why it was. But this felt like a real return to form for me for progress. It was one of those cards yeah. where they just... Uh, I think it had one of the stronger undercards that a, that a, a progress show has had in a while. And it just had one of the... I don't know the. I think the Manchester crowd not having a show since the Victoria Warehouse show we talked about earlier, but kind yeah. of dying for a, for a big progress show. Um, so the atmosphere was extra special too, um, reminiscent of the uh, the ballroom of old. I'd say. Yeah, and it it just felt fresh. Mm-hmm. Like you had Mike Bailey debuting with Eddie Dennis and them having a great match. Oh, he needs to come back soon. Uh, yes, please. Yeah. That couldn't have figure gone out, as a debut. Figure out a way to get him in. Mm. And maybe figure out a way to keep Veda Scott off the card. But <laughs> They've done okay so far. Yeah. <laughs> um, you had Devlin and Chris Ridgeway just that was great. going out there and battering each other. I loved it. I called it a G1 sprint. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty much what that was. Yeah. Um, again, fresh though, because, I mean, Devlin and Ridgeway, you don't really see them work. A lot. Uh, I can't think of another match I've seen them have, and Devlin again is is still somewhat fresh to progress. So yeah, this was it was just uh yeah I, I think uh, G1 Sprint kind of sums it up and just hard hitting shoot style wrestling. Um, another style of match that the Jordan Devlin can can do as strong as anyone, and yeah, just a, a really really great match. Yeah, and then to follow that up with David Starr and Ilya Dragunov, 
which was going, which was leading up to be about as good as Devlin Ridgeway mm. before Travis Banks came back from injury and yeah. beat them both up. Yeah, that was the only problem with that one—the finish, the double DQ. But to be honest, I was glad they didn't didn't just be Celia again because they were probably tempted. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they they both came across as stars there. Ilya got a got the reaction that he didn't get at Wembley um, here, and David Starr kind of proved again why he is one of the best in the world, at least as far as indie wrestling goes. Yeah. You put those those three matches we just listed off there um, on any card, and it's going to be a strong one. But put all three of them in the first half, and yeah, it might uh, might explain why I'm I'm so high on this card. Yeah, and Travis Banks, like he got like real heat too. This was a really good comeback for him. Yeah, it worked, didn't it? If you if you do want to, yeah. they do. They tried all year with him, but if you do want to get him booed, and people are tempted to cheer for him when he came back, uh, then this is a way to do it, isn't it? Yeah. Real good stuff. And then uh, you had Aussie Open beating Chris Brooks and Tim Thatcher. Mm. Apparently, Brooks and Thatcher beat him in the Thunder Bastard series. I don't want to go back and check. <laughs> you had the great Trent Seven, Zach Gibson. Basically, it was a battle rap before yeah. Seven beat him. See, I love this. I mean, maybe it's live bias. Maybe it's the fact that another reason I love the show is I took my brother, who's not a wrestling fan, but he's a Liverpool football club fan, and I told him about Zach Gibson, and I told him about the heat that he gets just purely for being <laughs> from Liverpool. Um, and we were a little bit—I was a little bit sad that he wasn't on the card. And when he came out, it was a great moment. And to be <laughs> honest, it went five seconds, but they didn't need to go any longer. I think the the promo right. battle worked for me. I thought Trent Seven's so funny on the mic. Zach Gibson's incredible on the mic in his own right. After. It felt like it went 10, 15 minutes of back and forth on the mic. A five-second match with a roll-up was uh, kind of all it needed. Yeah, and then you got your main event. It was uh, Walter defeating Mark Haskins. Mm. And this was really good. It felt like, all right, let's do something with Mark Haskins. Let's, <laughs> let's go. The best thing Haskins has done in progress in years. Uh, yeah, I bought it, and I'm not a Mark. I'm not really a Mark Haskins fan. It's nothing against him. Uh, I think he's a hard worker and he's solid in ring. He's just beyond stale in progress for me. But yeah, it's this just was his environment. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but I do think that that here, uh, he made me believe a little bit like what the Sex Smith Travis Banks match we talked about earlier. Maybe believe in a way that I didn't think I could believe about Mark Haskins having a title match in 2018. Maybe it's the Walter formula. Um, but no, Haskins was great for his role as well as the underdog in yeah. there. And yeah. Definite, definite. If we're not going to see a lot of Haskins going forward in progress, this was uh, as good a way to kind of uh, be on his way out as any. Yeah, maybe he can bring some fresh blood to ROH mm. or some lifeblood, as it were. <laughs> That's the name of their group. <laughs> it's a weird group, isn't it? It's just they've just it's it's Fire Pro Random or. Yeah. You play EWR and you just put a random stable together of wrestlers that you like. It's it's Generation Next on steroids. Uh, I don't really understand what that thing is. To Neil Dashwood and Tracy Williams. There you go. Oh, yeah. I always had them down as friends. <laughs> yeah, Chapter 79. They're back in the ballroom with this one. Um, I'll be honest. I watched these last few progress shows like in a four or five day span. <laughs> I don't remember too much of them. Like I can't like Ginny and Laura DiMatteo versus Charlie Morgan and Nina Samuels. 
I can tell you it happened. I can tell you I watched it. Yeah. But... This is where you got the payoff of Charlie Morgan and Nina Samuels coming out, I think, as baby faces um, to get involved in this thing. Yeah, I don't really. Yeah, that, that, that storyline's just died to death this year. If there's one thing I can say positive about the um, House of Couture is that the little I saw of Nina Samuels, I was kind of impressed. Mm. So I'd like to see a little more of her in a in a different context. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And again, I think one thing this show is known for, though, uh, that makes it memorable, at least in some ways, is it's the uh, it's the debut of um, the New Blood stable uh, in progress. Oh, hang on. They're not called the New Blood, are they? Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, do not the, resuscitate. Do not resuscitate. The, uh, yeah, Dunk, what's, what's the name in Attack? Um, um, uh, nothing to Prove. Nothing to Prove, yeah. I always slip into calling them yeah. that, yeah. This was kind of, yeah, them coming in. Uh, I understand them doing it. I think that it makes sense to have some fresh blood. It makes sense for them to pick on Jimmy Havoc as they did. Uh, here, I thought and, the yeah. I don't and know. Jimmy's I'll... not been back since. No, no, he's selling it. That's what it is. Selling the uh, yeah. selling the effects. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think the four very disparate characters that are. I think the point is they're not really supposed to be a stable, but they are. So I don't know about long term um, where the stable goes, but it's worth doing. Uh, you might as well. Yeah. Sometimes you got to throw shit at the wall and see what sticks, and you never know. A spike Trevay might stick. Uh, might get over from this or a heel chuck mambo might get over from this uh it's not the worst idea to try i don't think i don't know about leader of a heel group drew parker he mm. he's, he's like a, i i see him as more of like a jeff hardy baby face where he's just like the guy all the girls love it feels like he's getting a little bit sidelined because yeah he was kind of positioned as the leader but then the other three of they all four of them caught uh, like YouTube promos, didn't they? And his was by far the weakest. Like Treves, clearly the strongest speaker of the lot. Mambo's not that bad either, playing the conflicted yeah. baby face. Yeah, I think Drew Parker's kind of slipped uh, into maybe not quite uh, being the leader. Uh, I think that'll, that'll probably be the future of this group. Yeah. And then uh, your main event for this one was Travis Banks beating David Starr in a really good main event. Mm. Yeah, Starr. Travis Banks back to form. Yeah. I think Starr literally landed. This was the show, wasn't it, where he landed an hour into the show um, <laughs> at London Stansted Airport, made his way um, over to the ballroom and, and came and did the main events. That man's a worker. Uh, but yeah, go. good continuation as well. You know, Banks didn't love the finish in Manchester, but Banks interfering did lead to this. I like slot. I mean, Progress need main eventers, so I like slotting him back into the main event scene as the as they did here. Um, and yeah, a great hard hitting, uh, intense match. Everything you probably expect from the, these two wrestlers. Yeah. All right, on to chapter eighty: Gods and Monsters. Oh my God, we've got three more. <laughs> okay we're on the home stretch the light at the tunnel is there we just gotta make it <laughs> uh all right we had uh this was a double shot with chapter 81 so there's a lot that's gonna tie in mm. uh you had well it was a two-day story but chris ridgeway and paul robinson mm. uh they had a match robinson won by hitting him with a chain mm. and that led to a chain match the next day 
That's some 2018 booking, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> I I was ha- I was there live for the Manchester leg. I wish I'd gone the Sheffield show because it probably had the stronger cards in the end. But yeah, yeah. I thought this that was a really good little setup match, Robertson and Ridgeway. I thought, oh yeah, you're establishing Robertson as a heel, as he'd already started to do on the prior Manchester show. Uh, we could lead to a big match with Ridgeway. I didn't really expect them to do it the next day, though. Yeah, um, this felt like a little thing to like get Ridgeway over because I think. I think progress likes him, and I think the people are starting to get behind him. Mm. And I'm not against giving him like no, me a, little, a push. Like I've, I've said earlier, I'm not his biggest fan, but I do recognize that as far as prospects go and people you, you maybe give a try with, I understand why you, uh, you go with a Ridgeway. I think it's it's definitely worth a shot. Yeah, he's got he's got some star potential there. Mm. I would say definitely. You had a really weird Pete Dunn, Mark Andrews match where it felt like they just chopped the first half off. <laughs> it, it just went... did the closing stretch. Uh, have you got the time there on cage match? Because it felt like this one went about nah. six minutes. Like nah, this it just... felt like five minutes. Yeah, it was right in the middle of the show as well. Like weird placement too. They did kind of a greatest hit to their big spots, and I'm not, I'm not going to complain because uh, they got great chemistry. Like the way. The, the two bodies kind of intertwine and they know each other so well that they know where each of them are going to be at any moment. It was it was nice to see, just a, a little bit odd, yeah, that it was so quick and so weirdly placed on the card. Yeah, they could have this match in their sleep. Mm. And I'm talking like REM stage, like deep sleep. <laughs> yeah, I believe. Uh, yeah, you had uh, Ilya Dragunov beating Tyler Bate. Mm. Uh, nice to get Ilya a win. This was all right. Yeah, I think that needed to happen. I think that's it. You couldn't have. Yeah. Can't, we couldn't have gone another show with an Ilya loss. And I was worried with it being Tyler in there um, that, that that would be the problem, that they'd want to put Tyler over. Um, but yeah, Ilya was, again, uh, over, uh, whether it's the smaller build or what, but he was hugely over there against Tyler Bates. And yeah, it was a really great, like intense technical match. Uh, one to check out, definitely, if not maybe a, you know, a five-star classic. And then we got LAX, Ortiz and Santana making their uh, UK Progress debuts against CCK in a rematch of the New York match. I thought this one was really good, too. Uh, You were there live. Uh, You were there live, right? Yeah, I was interested in where you stood on this one, because this is one where live, uh, I've not been at a live show with a crowd, myself included, got swept into a match so much i think maybe it's this in a while maybe it's the 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 nature of like a spot fest match i think uh, they can they can work better in the building sometimes i think you can be more forgiven of i mean lax are are known for having matches where i mean the referee might as well not be there Um, it turns into a tornado tag the ref's not getting anyone out of the ring tags barely matter yeah but slightly uh and then it just turns into a whole load of moves uh so i can understand why there were i know there were people out there that didn't didn't enjoy this one as much as me i've seen it back on tape since and i still liked it uh maybe i liked it a little bit more alive in the building because again you're going to be a bit more forgiven of the the psychological dips that are in there but as far as a fun spot fest with a load of moves in it, i thought this was great and if anything, I felt like they, they, if they do a third match, they could do even better because it did. Watching back on VOD, another thing I didn't notice live was that Gresham looked like a little bit like he was out of it at points, like he took a, uh-huh. a hard hit. Uh, I don't know if there's any truth to that or not, but that that affected it a little bit watching it back on VOD. But yeah, I'm happy to watch these teams, these two teams go at it at any point because I've loved both of their first two matches. 
Yeah, there were more spots in this one than a kid with chicken pox. This was <laughs> this was a lot. Yeah. If you're and a selling fat fish, it. you're not gonna be into it. Yeah. Not not a lot of limb work being done here. <laughs> there was. They just didn't pay it off later on. <laughs> yeah. And that led right into the next day. Pour some progress on me. Uh, the second half of the doubleheader. Uh, Travis Banks beat Ilya Dragunov. Mm. Uh, another strong win for Travis. Mm. You think they're building him up for like a title match? I think so, eventually. I think they're keeping him strong. Yeah. And I think that's good. I think, again, yeah. they brought him back. They didn't just slot him into the mid cards. Uh, he's winning. He's when he's in the mid card, he's winning the matches. But he's also hovering around that top level. So again, I, I don't love Ilya getting beat again. But it, I think, I mean, it's their fault for booking it. But you're in a rock and a hard yeah. place, and I probably, probably would have been tempted to put ta- uh, Travis over as well. I wouldn't be mad at seeing Travis and Walter again, and this like new. Like this new like edge of Travis Banks against Walter too. I think these two. I think they could have the match we think they could have. Yeah, there's money in that. I think, and there's a if they've got a chapter where there isn't a huge amount going on, they they can put that in there, can't they? And um, that's a that's yeah. a go-to match that they 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 probably got in the back pocket. They know they can do it any time um, with maybe a minimal amount of build up. Uh, so yeah, I definitely want to see it again. Yeah, we uh, talked about the chain match already with Ridgeway and Robinson. Uh, we had our last, or presumably our last British Strong Style six-man on a progress show. Mm. They beat uh, the Calamari Thatch Kings, uh, Brooks, Gresham, and Thatcher. Yeah, would have been nice to know that going in. Um, that, but, that this was oh, the last, yeah. last time you get it, because... Yeah, we got them. Obviously, we're going to get to unboxing in a minute when they do leave. But yeah, your typical British strong style six man. Uh, yeah. I made up the. Hopefully, we see more aggression in progress in 2019 because he's been in some of my favorite uh, matches this year, especially tag matches with Brooks. I love that combo. So, if there's any positive to come out of the, the Lycos injury again, hopefully, it's that we that we do get more aggression. Yeah, I was about to say there. There's a spot open for him now. Mm. Yeah, and then uh, we had our world title match. Walter defended against uh, Shigehiro Irie. Mm. I think I said that right. That's I hope nice. I got close. <laughs> close enough. Uh, what did uh, you make of this one? I, I I didn't go in with a huge amount of expectation, but I enjoyed it. It was like a classic uh, Japanese heavyweight match for me. Uh, I really liked it. I think, uh, again, the, the, there was no real uh, belief that that Walter was going to lose at any point, but you could tell, you could tell he respected uh, Iria, so he was he was well up for 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 the hard hits back and forth. And even though that Sheffield audience did feel a little bit like they didn't really know who he was, and again, I've got to be honest, he's not uh, Iria is not someone that was hugely on my radar uh, before this little mini tour of the UK. Uh, they were they were banging to him, and the the, the the two wrestlers did draw the the crowd into the match. Yeah, uh, I thought it was good. I didn't, like, it's certainly not in Walter, like, top end of matches, but oh, no. mm. it's it's still worth watching. Mm. Two big dudes hitting each other, like, oh, yeah, who wouldn't be into that? <laughs> and then you had uh, Progress Tag Team titles, Aussie Open versus LAX. 
This one was real good too. Yeah, it was a, almost a mirror image of the the CCK match, wasn't it? The the night before. Yeah. Uh, lots of again, lots of uh, referees standing around looking a little bit useless. Lots of big spots and yeah, Aussie Open have been a a real success story this year. I think uh, putting the tag belts on them made sense. I wouldn't. If I was progress, I, I wouldn't have uh, taken the belts off them. Uh, but the, they they are. I'd expect they're going to get them back at some point in 2019. And I think they're yeah they're, they're while there's a lot of um, stuff going on with NXT UK and a lot of contracts about while they're still independent. Uh, yeah, you can you can do a lot with Aussie Open. Yeah, and that brings us to the end. Unboxing live three, a duck love. Dukla Prague away kit <laughs> over my head. Uh, yeah, we had a couple things happen. Jody Fleiss showed up in a six man match. Yeah, probably not the way. I, well, saying that maybe it is the way to introduce him a spotty match like that. But yeah, it, it it's surprising it took progress so long to bring him in. I just hope yeah, going forward we get him in more more substantial stuff because he's still got. Did you watch the the impact shows from um, MediaCon weekend uh, with uh, LAX? Him and uh, him and Johnny so. Storm. He still got it. He's he's still very yeah. much uh, at the le- he can still go to the level that, that he used to. So yeah, hopefully uh, progress saw that and uh, are planning on doing a little bit more with him. Bring in Johnny Storm as well for that matter. I mean, you could tell me he's over two hundred five. I'd buy it. Oh yeah, like yeah, I think exactly. he's one eighty, but I'll <laughs> I'll play pretend. There you go. Uh, you had uh, Jordan Grace winning the Progress Women's title from Ginny. Mm. Uh, felt kind of out of nowhere, but I mean, I like Jordan Grace, so okay. Yeah. The right thing to do, wasn't it? Um, yeah. I think, obviously, Ginny's going to be tied to NXT UK, so again, the complications of, of all those contracts. Jordan Grace is a great person to, to settle a tag team division, sorry, the women's division around, and you could really, let's just forget everything that happened in 2018 with the House of Couture uh, and some bang average matches. Let's hope that uh, a, a women's division focused around here in 2019 is uh, delivers a lot more than, than what we got uh, last year. And hey, Nina Samuels got her revenge. She took Lorde Mateo out the picture. There you go. Yeah. Uh, you had the Progress Tag Team title match, Ozzy Open losing the titles to the Swords of Essex, Robinson and Osprey. This was so great. It's a shame that, I mean, Robinson obviously got busted open early uh, yeah. in this one and he, he suffered a concussion, so it kind of hurt the finish of the match because he didn't really seem to know where he was, did he? Um, at various points. Yeah, he was... He was kind of just looking to get out of there. Yeah, he really was. He didn't even want to make the pinfall at the end, did he? So that made it. That was yeah. a real sad sight. I don't like seeing that in wrestling. But the first ten minutes of this match were first class, incredible wrestling, and I'd, I'd love to see them uh, them go back at it and do a rematch. Because yeah, Swords of Essex. It's a great use. Osprey <laughs> has been in and out of progress over the last uh, couple of years. It's not always made sense from a storyline point of view, but teaming up with Robinson, I've got to say that's a bit of a stroke of genius. And I'm, yeah, I've made up that they're, that they're they're back together. That Robinson's in progress, and I do think yeah, there's there's lots you can do with them as a team, and lo- as long as it's uh, not facing NXT UK talent, it seems uh, there's yeah. plenty of uh, other tag teams that I, I think you could uh, put them against. Yeah, 
And then you had your last two matches, Eddie Dennis beating uh, Marcel Barthel, the aforementioned Axel Dito Jr. Uh, yeah, Eddie got a win. Mm. And he's still got a progress title match. So we'll hopefully see that next year. Mm. And then the end of an era, I guess, as uh, Pete Dunne beat Tyler Bate, as they <laughs> both did. A farewell to progress, for yeah. now at least. Yeah, it was weird this, wasn't it? Because uh, Smallman kind of tipped his hat before the match, saying that uh, he said one of these men is got, will be leaving progress. Obviously, it turned out to be both. Uh, so that kind of maybe took the wind out of the sails a little bit with the crowd. Uh, but even so, the match was kind of low-key, wasn't it? It was like a just a, a well-worked technical match that didn't really get to that, that next gear, but it didn't seem like it was intended to. It, it seemed like the two of them were just out there having a fun time um, and hoping yeah. people were, all, were along with them for the ride. Uh, I wasn't. I didn't love it. But, uh, again, it, it, I suppose it was more about the uh, the goodbye moments, which we've had uh, a lot of uh, in progress these last couple of years. Yeah. And that is it. That is Progress 2018. <laughs> we made it, Suit. It's 2.27 a.m., uh. but we made it. Yeah, we we started at three thirty and uh, three thirty my time at least. Yeah, I was going to say that'd be a long record. Uh, <laughs> and through circumstances, it is now eight twenty eight. We've gone five hours on this <laughs> recording. Uh, we're professional suits. We, uh, we yeah we make sure we do this every. We're gonna. This has become like a yearly tradition, so we've got to do it right. Uh, hopefully, yeah. Enjoyed it. But hey, in the end, how would you sum up progress in twenty eighteen? Benno, how would you do it? I think if you'd have asked me three months ago, I might have been a bit more negative. But I do think they finished the year strong. I thought Wembley was a good show. Uh, I went to a couple of strong live shows. I think, as you mentioned, the the influx of, of some fresher talents. Hopefully we get to see more of the likes of Speedball, Mike Bailey, Paul Robinson being backed, a bit more Jody Fleisch, uh Maybe do a little bit more with Ilya, unless he, he is, uh, if the rumours are to believe, uh, flying over to the US for, for NXT proper. Uh, I do think that they've freshened things up uh, when they needed it in the latter half of the year. Uh, I do worry about storylines going forward, because again, uh, I thought 2017 was a bad year from a storytelling point of view for a, for a very heavy storytelling pro- promotion which progress is, but 2018 wasn't much better. Um, yeah. And I think part of that is that, the, the again, as we said at the top of the show, priorities have changed. Um, and also, you know, once you, I think any booker, uh, any promotion, you can get burnt out. Maybe they need some fresh blood on that side. I don't know. I'm just a knobber with a podcast. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the wrestlers are still delivering. It's still got one of the, as far as atmospheres at shows go, uh, I mentioned earlier, I took my brother to that Manchester show. I wouldn't have taken a non-fan to any other Brit Rush show, really, unless it was a really big Rev Pro show or we were, we happened to be in Ireland for OTT. Mm-hmm. So that says something about what Progress still offers. Uh, and I think as a presentation, as a allegedly storytelling promotion, even though I've given them plenty of grief about their storytelling, it's still my preferred style of wrestling. I would rather them attempt the stories that, that they attempt um, and build the the shows the way they build them um then you know pure 10 match work rate cards like you get at a pwg or somewhere like that that stuff's got its yeah. place but 
progress is still my preferred presentation so really my kind of position at the end of 2018 is i just hope the the things that have been weak these last two years do improve because it's the it's those other things about the product that that do keep me coming back even if i i spend a lot of time on podcasts moaning about them well hey you're not you're not a punter with a podcast you're <laughs> a punter with two podcasts yeah. okay what am I so i'll give you a little credit there <laughs> um to sum it up for me, I think it's like to sum it up, it would be like this has been a year like transition for progress. Yes. Cause like the guys are transitioning to NXT UK. A lot of the wrestlers are transitioning to NXT UK. And they've kind of they have found in the past couple months this new like this new roster of people where they can put on the progress shows and they kind of just step up and mm. still give you that progress experience. But now it's a little bit fresher. It's not the same people because those people are off doing other things. So mm. I think if they can build with the people they've got, like if they can continue with like uh, the push into Chris Ridgeway, they've got Eddie Dennis there for now, at least, uh, you know, you got Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher. Like, whenever you want to pull the trigger on Davis and Walter, I'd be there for it. Mm. You got Do Not Resuscitate, Travis Banks. Like, they've got, like, a good roster of guys to keep it going. Mm. And maybe, I don't want to say build around, because 2019 is going to be a very wild year for contracts. But mm. maybe just to keep the ship floating for another year. How uh, how close do you think we are to them being on the network? We're we're near the end of January now, and it's still not happened. Uh, do you Who think that's, knows? Will that affect uh, how how the products are present is presented? They've almost been on the network for like two years at this point. <laughs> yeah. I'll believe it when I see it. Same, yeah, it, it, it but, is uh, quite odd. Yeah, but that's it. Go ahead and uh. Do your plugs, Benno, and we get out of here. Cheers, man. Yeah, as you noted, I am a knob with two podcasts, probably more than I'm not thinking of. I host the Spotlight podcast on the IndieCorner.com where we pretty much talk about anything, really. Uh, it's it's turned into a, a kind of wild, crazy, off-topic podcast where subjects can range from EastEnders to Chris Jericho's Hall of Fame status to some actual Brit Res talk. Uh, we kind of... Yeah, roam the entire world of wrestling now. Uh, myself, Joe, and JP, and do uh, very long podcasts. Uh, if you if you enjoyed the length of this one and you're somehow still listening, then hey, that might be for you. Uh, but if you want a more of a, a bite sized uh, bi weekly recap of uh, the news going on in Brit Res with the odd review thrown in, you can also listen to my British Wrestling Experience podcast on post wrestling uh, with Martin Bushby and Ollie Court. Um, yeah, you can head over there to there for that one. Uh, but other than that, yeah, you can read my uh, want to watch articles in Fighting Spirit magazine, uh, and you can follow me on Twitter at Benson Richardy. Thank you, Benno. And as for me, you can find you can find my reviews here on pwponderings.com. Uh, I might branch out to some more Brit, to some more uh, Eurograps for uh, 2019. I've been thinking mm. of. Uh, getting in a uh, rev pro and uh, ott as well so 
you might be seeing more of me over on PW Ponderings. Awesome. And then uh, you can also see me on uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com where I do assorted reviews and previews. Like I've uh, signed up to do the NXT TakeOver review this weekend. So look out for that if this podcast is up by then. (laughs) And uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at SuitWilliams. Oh, and uh, you can listen to my podcast as well where uh, we allegedly talk about wwe but it's more of me just trying to convince her to watch 205 live and getting her to go to new japan shows that end up in nashville so <laughs> that's smart sports it's uh, on itunes you can check it out and yeah i think that's all we got yeah bedtime suits both uh, here and uh, i think where you are <laughs> it might not be bedtime but i'm tired <laughs> progress will do uh, that to you same time next year? Same time next year. Let's do it. Good man. If progress is still around. <laughs> we'll do the NXT <laughs> UK wrap-up. Uh, that's what maybe we'll oh, have to do. Oh, boy. <laughs> Get ready for a lot of Joe Connors. Oh, God. Uh, all right. So, for Benno, I'm Sue Williams. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.